Hey, this is Sam for Dobbs. If you need tires, hop on our website, go to Dobbs.com. We'll save you time searching brands, sizes, and prices, and save you money because we sell tires at the lowest price in town, guaranteed. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Goldschmidt with a drive. Left field at the wall, gone! Goldschmidt, home run number 25. He's driven in two. And the Cardinals have a 3-0 lead. Arenado into shallow right, may drop, and it does. A run will score. Everybody's safe, and the Cardinals have extended their lead 4-0. We have to have that intent that we'll go out and win all these games. We can't any slip-ups the rest of the way. We, we've got to go out and, and, and play really good baseball down the stretch against a lot of very good teams. That's what it sounded like last night on Valley Sports Midwest as the Cardinals get yet another big victory. The Cardinals win 7-0 in New York. They are now just a half game back of the wild card for the National League. With Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh, I'm Brandon Kylie. They've won three in a row now, Alex. They've won five of their last six games against the Dodgers, the Reds, and now the Mets up in New York. And last night, let's start with Adam Wainwright. Because my God, man, I'm running out of things to say. I feel like every time he starts, we come on the next day. And it's like, hey, how great is that Wayno guy? He's been awesome, right? Well, in his last 11 starts, the Cardinals are now 10 and one. When he starts in these uh, since July 21st, which is this stretch, 11 games, they're 10 and one. When he doesn't start, they're 17 and 20. He is carrying the Cardinals to the finish line right now. In those 11 starts, he's averaging more than seven innings per start and he has an ERA of 1.7. Yet another shutout last night. I'm running out of things to say, but God, is it fun to watch him pitch right now. I got plenty of things to say. Cy Young, Hall of Fame, MVP, playoff bound. That's pretty much all coincides with the name Adam Wainwright because without him, you're not talking playoffs. Without him, you're really talking about a disappointing, frustrating season. But on top of it, I mean, I heard Danny talk on the broadcast last night with Jim Edmonds, and he's right. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to vote against the case of him being a Cy Young this year. He's not going to win it, I know, but he's going to be top three. And then I saw John Heyman's tweet earlier today where he pretty much laid it out in terms of the Hall of Famer. Remember, I brought this up to you a while back, and we kind of went back and forth with it. I forgot who we had on, and we asked if we were crazy, and he's like, ah, I don't see it happening. But look, if he gets top three, that's going to be five times he's been top three in the Cy Young. You're going to be talking about a two-time World Series champion. You're going to be talking about somebody who was a part of a Cardinals team from beginning to end. So I understand smaller picture here. We're going for the playoffs and you're talking about that. But every time Wainwright pitches now, I don't look at it small picture anymore because it's not like, oh, yeah, now they're closer to the place. It's more big picture with him. Yeah. Like, it's unreal what this guy is doing. He has found a second life. And frankly, three years ago, it'd be crazy to talk Hall of Fame with him. And now you have to talk about it. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's an uphill case for him right now. He does have four top three Cy Young finishes. He's been to the World Series twice. 
Uh, he had the one as the closer, and he had the moment as well, which he talked about after the game last night. He said he wanted to give the people what they wanted to see in New York, so fantastic. he was able to do that. Um, he, he's been awesome, and he has had a tremendous career. Is it Hall of Fame worthy? It's up for debate. As of now, I think it's probably going to be. An, it, he needs more. He, he needs to add more to his case to be somebody that is likely to get in but as of today i think maybe he could be a veterans committee type of a candidate we'll see but for the here and now he's at least in the conversation for the cy young and i was talking about this with dan today i would be very surprised if he finishes top three and i think we need to set our expectations realistically because when we get out of whack sometimes it's kind of like the mizzou thing right if you thought mizzou was going to go 10 and 2 this year yeah you're probably disappointed by this weekend re- weekend's result that what was never realistic that? what dummy thought that probably you <laughs> adam wainwright is very unlikely to finish top three in the cy young there are guys that are just they're pitching at an unbelievable level this year max scherzer's been incredible walker bueller's been unbelievable uh burns just had a potential cy young type of a moment over the weekend where he had eight no hit innings Wayno's probably on the outside looking of the top three. But if you get to number four, yeah, I could start having some serious consideration of that. Wayno's right in the conversation there. And part of why is because of what he's done to keep the Cardinals in this race. And at this point, they're right in the thick of things, man. We have talked all year long about the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the roller coaster that has been the 2021 Cardinals season. The only thing that has been steady from start to finish really has been Adam Wainwright. He is the through line for this season. He was good to start the year. He's been good ever since. He's the only thing really from start to finish that's been consistent about this team. He has, and it's the only thing that has given you good feelings about this team because even through the down spiral that was, you know, the dog days of the year in June, little bit of July, when the offense wasn't performing and the bullpen was struggling, the one thing you look forward to was, well, at least Wayno starting the next day, right? Like for me, I haven't gone to a Cardinals game until last week. And I went because Adam Wainwright was starting that game. And I'm like, man, I got to see this in person. Mm-hmm. Of course, Pujols was there as well, but still, I mean, everything about what he has done this season and you hone in on last night's game and what he did against that offense. And I understand that offense hasn't been great all season, but to go out there and the perform you way you did get out of the jam in the first inning and then go as far as you did in that game. It, it was, it was miraculous because that's what Wayno has done all season long. And for me, after watching that and knowing that the Cardinals are in the thick of this thing, BK, it, it's hard to sit here and say, man, I don't know if they can get this done because frankly, they're showing that they can get it done. Yeah. And the other thing that you're seeing right now is that the Cardinals are going to go ahead and keep Wayno on his normal rest schedule the rest of the year. They're not going to honor the off day for him the way that they will with other pitchers. So, Uh, When they have off days, like this Thursday, they're off. You'll see somebody else skipped in their spot in the rotation before you see Wayno bumped back. They're going to keep him on their normal rest so that way he's able to get as many starts as he possibly can down the stretch. You see that? Like, I remember when CC Sabathia was traded, I think it was to the Brewers back in the day. They would have him going on like three days rest just to get as many starts out of him as they could to be able to make it into the playoffs and then go on a run from there. You see it with guys that are at that level in their prime. You rarely see something like this with a 40-year-old pitcher. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like this with a 40-year-old pitcher, but that's what the Cardinals are doing, and Wayno was asked about what that means to him last night to be able to stay on his normal schedule, knowing that the team needs him down the stretch. I got home, and my wife Jenny was asking me when, you know, when I was going to pitch, and I told her the rest of the way I'm on five days. And she looked at the calendar, and she was like, wait, 
that's got to make you feel good, huh? And I was like, yes, it does. A little bit, it does. It's a cool, it's a good feeling because it's a good feeling to be wanted and to be relied on. You know, I mean, for a couple of years, I wasn't. So it's good to be back. You talked MVP. You talked Cy Young. Mentioned the Hall of Fame thing. Setting all of that aside for a moment, if you're just talking about this team, Adam Wainwright's been their MVP mm-hmm. because we mentioned this yesterday. I, I was looking at some of the numbers for the Cardinals pitching staff. He's thrown 190 innings so far this year. Second on this team is KK, who's thrown 100. He has almost doubled up the next best guy. I think by the end of the year, he will have double whoever the second place person is on this team in terms of innings pitched this year. That is unbelievable, man. I'm sure it's happened before, but I can't recall the last time, especially for the Cardinals, we've seen any type of discrepancy like that. That's how you get to an MVP of this particular team. He's just been consistent. He's taken the ball every fifth day. He's the only guy that's been able to do that all year long for the Cardinals. And as a result, they're rewarding him with staying on his schedule. And he's going to, if they're going to make the playoffs this year, it will be on the back of Adam Wayne. Oh, 100%. And we talked about this yesterday, and I know we'll get into this a little bit later today. But, man, that's what, it's what had me thinking yesterday during his start. And I know if you honor the schedule, you'll get him in some big games. I think he'll play against Milwaukee. If I'm yep. not mistaken, he'll match up against the Padres. But then he gets that wild card game. But I'm also looking at it saying you are still in a race and Cincinnati has a favorable schedule. If they can win against Pittsburgh, you're still chasing that team. Do you consider bumping him up a start to where you can have him pitch? I think it's multiple games against the Milwaukee Brewers. And then he would pitch that final game of the season if you have to get in. I guess that question will be answered by how Jake Woodford performs tonight and how John Lester performs against the Mets the next night. But it's definitely something to consider because I know you want him for the wild card game, but you also want to make sure you get in. Yeah. And you might want Wayno starting more games against Milwaukee and the in the uh, important games rather than saying, okay, we need you for the wild card game. Yeah, the priority is always finding a way to get in and then figure it out from there, regardless of what that means. We'll talk about the potential starting candidates if they don't have Wayno on the mound later on today. Final thing that I wanted to get into from last night's game, because that was a good one. I got to give credit to the offense. Uh, We don't do this a whole lot because they haven't deserved a whole lot of the credit. Last night they did. You get a huge out, huge three outs in the eighth inning from Alex Reyes. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. Then you go into the top of the ninth inning. You're up three to nothing. And that game felt close at that point in time. It, It was still teetering. And then your offense just goes to work. Goldie with a one-out walk, O'Neal single, Arenado RBI single, Molina RBI single, Carlson's intentionally walked to load the bases, Sosa single, Bader single. That is what, when people say Cardinals baseball, and I know it gets laughed at sometimes nationally, but when you're talking keeping the line moving and all of the things that we have learned about Cardinals baseball over the last six decades... That's what they're talking about. Watching that ninth inning reminded you a lot of watching the 80s Cardinals or the 60s Cardinals or whatever the Cardinals was that you grew up with. That was fun. And the Cardinals were able to tack on. They increased their margin for error, which has been an issue for them all season long. And the result is in the ninth inning, instead of going to Luis Garcia or Giovanni Gallegos, you're able to go to Cody Whitley. And now those other two guys are available for you at the back end of your bullpen tonight. That extra margin for error makes all the difference in the world. The Cardinals have really struggled to do that all season. 
They got a shutdown inning from Alex Reyes, and then they were able to tack on in the top of the ninth. That, as much as Adam Wainwright, that was the difference in the game That's yesterday. That's why the offense has really been the, the biggest talking point all season long, not the injuries or the bullpen struggles or the starting pitchers. It's been the offense because the offense hasn't provided that support. I mean, honestly, BK, I'm watching that last night, and I'm thinking this is a different Cardinals team because we've talked so much. T-Bone has talked so much about how this team can't hit in crucial situations, right? Like they don't have clutch hitters. All of those RBI singles that they got in the late innings of the game against the Mets, that's clutch hitting. Edmundo Sosa, Yadier Molina, Harrison Bader. That was a different Cardinals team, which is, again, why I'm starting to look at this going, man, I think think I'm actually starting to be forced to buy back into this team. And we'll get into that more coming up here in just a little bit with Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh. I'm Brandon Kylie Tanner will be back tomorrow. 65780 is the air comfort service tax line to get involved in the show throughout the day today. It's 1115. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler coming up in about 15 minutes or so. We'll talk about the blues. Robert Thomas has a strange contract situation taking place right now. He is still not signed a week before the Blues report to training camp. What does that mean for him? We'll talk about that coming up at 1130. But coming up next, that was a huge moment for Alex Reyes last night. We got to dive into it and what it could mean for the Cardinals moving forward. That's all coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Alex Reyes in to face Lindor, Conforto, and Alonzo. There's ball four. And so Lindor is off for the third time tonight. A leadoff walk to scrap the bottom of the eighth. Pulled to her the hole and a base hit just past Goldschmidt. Lindor will go first to third. And the Mets will get Alonzo to the plate as the tying run. He got him. Nasty pitch and a strikeout of Alonzo. Boy, that's a good pitch there. I'll tell you in what. The first out here in the eighth. And now it's Baez. Check swing, and he went. Strikeout of Baez. Back-to-back Ks, and Reyes one out away. The one-two pitch by Alex Reyes. Got him! Strikes out the side in the eighth. That audio courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest and SNY up in New York. Alex Reyes with a huge night for him and for the Cardinals in that win against the Mets last night. It didn't look good early. You walk Lindor, the leadoff guy gets on. You don't love seeing that. Conforto hits the single to right, goes right underneath Paul Goldschmidt's glove. Lindor's able to make it over to third, first to third on that one. And then you're sitting there thinking, oh, no, here we go again. Cardinals up three to nothing with a tying run at the plate, and it's Alonzo who has a lot of power and the potential to change that game on the dime. And then he strikes out swinging. And then you've got Baez coming up, who's been swinging a hot bat of late. Once again, strikes out swinging. And now you're in a situation where Alex Reyes has got himself out of this spot. He's able to get one more strikeout to end the inning. And Alex Reyes looked like he did in the first half of the season last night. When I look back at that, Alex, I think to myself, okay, so in the first half, it wasn't like Alex Reyes was perfect. He was still walking a bunch of guys. There were a couple of guys that would get some uh, small little squibbler hits into the, the outfield, but not a whole lot of damage done against him. That's pretty much what it looked like, what we saw last night. And in the end, it's the third straight game that he's gone scoreless. He's now gone four straight innings of scoreless ball, and in that time, he's struck out six and walked two. This is the Alex Reyes that we remember before he was going through so many struggles in August and then early September. If they can get this guy down the stretch, it completely changes the complexion of the bullpen moving forward. It it, it does. And, man, i got to be honest, I thought he hit Pete, Pete Alonzo. 
And if he would have hit Pete Alonso, I mean, I really thought I was surprised that they didn't review that. Uh, if he would have hit Pete Alonso, I feel like that inning would have gone a lot differently because you could tell it was starting to wear on Alex Reyes that, you know, I'm getting myself into another tight position. But yeah, you know, whatever he went through for those couple of weeks where he had the closure role taken away from him, it seems like he's broken out of that. And, you know, you could always fall back into something like that, but how he performed in that inning and especially the players that he went up against to strike out Pete Alonso to strike out Javier Baez, two guys that, like you said, could change the game in the swing of a bat, I mean, you could see the emotion on Alex Reyes. So hopefully that's bringing the confidence back to him. Hopefully playoff baseball, you know, it's around the corner and he can taste it, which is why he's back to this level. But you're absolutely right. If this team wants to do anything, make the wild card, win the wild card, go up against San Francisco, hell, make the NLCS. The only route to that is having a bullpen that can lock things down. And right now you haven't had that. But if you can get him back, if you can get Cabrera back to his form, and then you still have Garcia and McFarlane and the possibility of Flaherty and Hudson, yeah, you're looking really good. But it all goes around Alex Reyes. Absolutely. He's the guy that has the most dynamic stuff of anybody in their bullpen. I love Cabrera. I love Gallegos. And when they're on, man, they've got some really good stuff. But it's not like Alex Reyes. Alex Reyes has the best stuff of anybody on this team, much less that's in the bullpen right now. I mentioned this with Dan earlier today, Alex. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. I don't know that there's been any point in the season when I've felt better about a, a greater number of people coming out of the bullpen than right now. Because you have Caprera and Gallegos who have continued to be very good. We've talked about McFarland and Garcia really stepping up. Whitley looked awesome last night once again. And if Reyes continues to be this guy... That's six dudes coming out of your bullpen that I'm starting to trust a decent amount. If you're able to then add Hudson, which I think they will, we'll see on Flaherty, but maybe you're able to add him as well. Man, that's the potential of eight guys that you at least feel pretty good about at a minimum or great about at a maximum. That's the kind of bullpen that you're going to need with the lack of starters that you feel great about on this team right now. You, you feel pretty good in the playoffs of getting maybe two, three strong innings out of your starters. And then it could be, hey, we're just going to throw a bunch of arms at this thing, and we'll see where it goes from there. I don't know who's going to throw in which role, but you could get multiple innings out of Alex Reyes. You might be able to get a couple of innings here and there out of Gallegos. Maybe you do go to Hudson for two or three. They could piece this thing together, and suddenly, for the first time literally all season, you actually have a bullpen that you trust. Which is amazing to say, because you asked us that in May, we would have laughed in your face mm -hmm. and, and rightfully so for how this bullpen was performing and, you know, props to the car. You know, I think we do deserve props to the Cardinals in the front office for going out there and finding a Luis Garcia and bringing him in TJ McFarland, because honestly, those guys have been swing guys Huge. without those two. You wouldn't have had the luxury of saying, okay, well, we're going to move this person out of this role, or we're going to cut back a little bit on Alex Reyes because he's just in a little bit of a funk. You would have said, sorry, we don't have it. It was the conversation that you and Mike Schilt had post game. Yeah. You have no other options, but you finally do have that. You know, what's an interesting one, BK, if, if that's the case and you have eight guys that you just said out of your bullpen, what do you do with your pitching staff come playoff wise? Because I don't think Andrew Miller's making that postseason roster. No, neither is Ponce. And I don't know that KK is I don't either. think KK is because you have your lefties in Hennessy Cabrera and TJ McFarlane. You have your righties. You have your setup men. And it really does come down to Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson. And what Jay the roles Happ might are. be the, the role that you would otherwise expect KK to fill. I think Jay Happ would get that and one. John for Lester you. would get the starters in the rotation yep. for you as well. And then you still got to figure out what you're doing with Jake Woodford. Yep. So, 
yeah, I mean, there's going to be guys that are going to be off of this postseason roster. But again, that goes back to what they have done in terms of that week before free age or uh, the trade deadline where you were able to acquire some arms that didn't just come in and kind of hold down the fort. They came in and said, okay, we'll make this our team. So the Cardinals now, after the win last night, are a half game back of the Reds. They are tied right now with the Padres, a half game back. And then you've got the Phillies, two and a half back. The Mets, three and a half back. We have now seen over the course of the last couple of weeks, Alex, some of these other teams that are trying to get into this playoff race with the Cardinals. We saw six games against the Reds. We now saw our first game against the Mets. We're going to this weekend see the uh, the Padres are you starting to feel better about the Cardinals playoff chances because I was listening to the morning show earlier today and Mike Claiborne was on with him Cardinals broadcaster and here's what he had to say about his current impression of the Cardinals relative to these other teams vying for that final playoff spot Uh, they're pushing a lot of the right buttons right now and when you look at the other teams and you say, man, I, I thought we were we were in trouble, but you look at them and you say, now I know why they're chasing a wild card like we are. I mean, the, the consistency or the lack of consistency is just something that just makes you scratch your head. All of these teams are in the same boat. They're all incredibly flawed. And I'm not here to tell you the Cardinals are a great team because they're not. The Cardinals are exactly what we thought they were all season long. They're going to finish with like, 85-ish wins, somewhere around there. And that may very well in this particular season be enough to make the playoffs. That doesn't change their needs in the offseason. That doesn't mean that they are any less needy for offensive improvements. It doesn't mean that the rotation is completely fixed and we go into the offseason not needing any upgrades. That's not what I'm saying. But when you compare them right now to the Phillies, the Mets, the Reds, the Padres... They're right in that category. And I think you can make a pretty convincing case that they're at the top of that group. And now their playoff odds are all the way up to 20% as a result. Alex, are you back in? I'm back in, boys. I'm back in. It was a matter of time. I'm we back finally in. got him in. I'm back in, boys. I I will read you verbatim. Well, not verbatim, because there were some words I can't say on the air. The text that I sent to BK and T-Bone last night, I said, dang, again, substituting words here i gotta start believing in this team again and it's hard not to i mean i there are no more cases for me to sit here and be like nope well they're not doing this the case that i have stuck so hard on is the fact that the offense still has not been consistent you'd get one good game and one bad game well now you've put three solid games together offensively yeah you scored two runs but you still found a way to shut it down pitching has been fantastic your bullpen starting to turn things around And it's hard to argue against this offense. So, yeah, I'm back, boys. I'm back relative to the rest of these teams. I'm ready to be hurt emotionally again. I'm letting my guard down. I'm I'm fully invested. There's no, for me at least, and I can't speak for Cardinals fans, if you're somebody that's going to continue to be guarded and you got to see more, I get that. That's that's fine. This team has given you very little reason throughout the majority of the year to really buy into what they're doing. But right now, at this point in time, half game back of the second wild card, yeah, I'm, I'm invested because this is going to be a lot of fun down the stretch to watch the Cardinals in what is seemingly going to be a bunch of playoff games down the stretch. You're, you're basically watching back to back to back to back and continue forward from there for the rest of the year playoff games. And that's before we get to the actual postseason. So I'm in. Let, let's see what this ends up, where this ends up taking us. It's been a roller coaster ride of emotion all season long, and I, I can't wait to watch the final three weeks of the year to see where they end up. One loss and Alex turns into the Grandpa Simpson meme. 
walks oh, right in, walks right out. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm so worried about too. Because like, if they go out and put a stinker on the field tonight, I'm gonna be like, I can't, because I just bought back in. Yeah, they're it, they're gonna lose four to two tonight, and now she'd be like, look, uh, the stupid offense, it never scores no, runs. I, I can't, I can't go back and forth anymore, boys. I walked through the door, I sat down on the couch, and I'm saying I'm here for it. Six five seven eight zero is the air comfort service text line. Questions and answers coming up in 15 minutes. But coming up next, what's going on with Robert Thomas right now? What's his contract situation mean for him in the Blues long term? We'll talk about that. Plus, the Blues brought back a veteran today on a very reasonable contract. I'll ask Alex what his impression is of this coming up next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. That's Alex Ferrario. He is Andrew Marsh. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Coming up at the 12 o'clock hour, we're hoping to be joined by Jeremy Rutherford. He's down at the Blues Prospects Camp right now. We'll get his impression from today. And we want to talk to him about Robert Thomas's contract situation. He had a great piece over in The Athletic yesterday. And Alex, we are a week away from training camp and Robert Thomas is still unsigned. According to JR, Thomas's camp, his, his uh, agent, is looking for a salary similar to what Jordan Kyrou just signed for. Kyrou got a two-year, $2.8 million deal. It sounds like, according to kind of reading between the lines in this story, the Blues are looking more at the 2 to $2.5 million range for Jordan Kyrou. I guess my question to you is this, Alex. If that's what we're talking about here, if the difference between what Kairou is, what Kairou got $2.8 million and what the Blues are willing to offer to Robert Thomas, whether that's two or two and a half million dollars, whatever it may be, if we're talking about $1 million over the next two years, what are we doing here? Why, why is this still up in the air as to whether or not they're going to be able to get this thing done? I'm guessing they will before camp starts, but... Why is it taking so long to get this thing done? Well, and I think JR pointed, uh, painted a great picture in his most recent article. And again, we'll talk with him in the 12 o'clock hour. But he talked with a, a person close to the situation. And he said, usually when it comes to these negotiations with the player who isn't arbitration eligible, but is just off of his rookie contract, it comes down to what other contracts look like on the team. And he cited Jordan Kairos, who got 2.8 mil. You're looking at Oscar Sundquist, who's got 2.75. Even Zach Sanford, who just got $2 million. And Barbara. And Barbashev's in there as well. So Robert Thomas is looking at that going, okay, well, I'm somewhere between two and three million dollars because I want to stay in the cup with this team, Jordan Cairo. I think that's why it's taking so long because Robert Thomas feels like he deserves that amount of money. But this is where the negotiation always gets, I don't want to say nasty, but interesting because you come back on the other side of it and you're looking at it going, well, you were injured and you haven't been the player we thought you were. What if we do a bridge deal here? Player doesn't want to do a bridge deal, and then it comes to the negotiation part. You try and get the holdouts before camp to see if that makes anything happen. I believe something's going to get done here, but here's the issue. You don't have a lot of money right now. I mean, you got $781,000 after Tyler Bozak has just signed his contract. So you can go over the cap a little bit, but you have to make sure you're cap compliant once the season begins. What I think is going to happen is Oscar Sundquist is going to start the season on LTIR because he wasn't going to be ready for training camp. You're going to save that $2.75 million, but you're really gambling here if you're Doug Armstrong because you put him on the LTIR, and when he comes off of it, you want him back as soon as possible. 
you got to hope you either have made a decision and somebody's willing to take on Vladimir Tarasenko, or you're going to be making some waiver decisions in terms of personnel to where you can drop a Steve Santini through waivers, a Kyle Clifford through waivers, Bortuzzo. a Mackenzie McEachern, Bortuzzo. You're going to do something like that. But to answer your question kind of long form, so I apologize, the reason this is taking so long is because of the contracts to Jordan Cairo, Oscar Sundquist, Ivan Barbashev, and Zach Sanford. Thomas feels like he deserves more, and that's why he's going to hold steady on that. It reminds me of the situation that we saw last last year. And if you've got this audio ready to go, Marshy, uh, Jamie Rivers, I remember talking with him. This was when it was uh, Rivs and BK and Alex, you were with us as well. And we were talking to uh, Jeremy Rutherford. And JR came on the show, and we're talking about Vince Dunn's contract situation because he was not signed as we approached camp either, and there was no leverage whatsoever for Vince Dunn. He was going to sign. We knew what he was going to sign for, and it was like, why, why isn't he signed? What are we doing here? What's the point of this? Well, here's what it sounded like from Jamie Rivers last year, and I, I want to react to this on the other side. I want to pick up the phone and call Vince Dunn and help him out here, okay? Because yep. I see what's happening in front of him. I see this blue line getting stronger and better and guys that are buying into it. And right now, unfortunately, even though it's just a business thing, Vince Dunn looks like he's on the outside looking in. And if I'm Craig Berube, I'm looking there going, he has no leverage. Why not just sign this deal? Get back to town. Start working out and start doing your thing. Because as quickly as you're a prospect, you become suspect, and then they move on from you. This is how I feel about Robert Thomas right now. If we're talking about $500,000 to a million dollars over the next two years, when if you're going to be the player that you think you are, you're going to earn so much more than that over the course of your career. Uh, listen, I get it. Money, like it's, it's easy for me to say it's not my money. But if this is what we're talking about, just sign the contract and get it done, man. And, and that goes for the Blues, for, for Thomas, but really on Thomas's side. Get this done. Stop, stop dragging your feet. Get into camp on time, make sure you're there, and make sure that you're trying to get the best season that you possibly can. You didn't have a good walk year. Your platform year was not very successful. You were hurt most of the season. When you were on the ice, it was not as productive as he, I'm sure he would tell you, it was not as good as he would have liked. And meanwhile, if you're comparing yourself to what we saw to Jordan Cairo, Jordan Cairo was this team's, what, second most productive forward uh, wing last year? So, yeah, he's going to end up getting a little more than you over the course of a two-year deal. It's a bridge deal. You'll get another one right after that. He'll hit restricted free agency with the arbitration rights uh, after this deal would be up as well. Get it done. Get yourself into camp. Stop dragging your feet on this. You need to earn your spot into the top six this year. And if you're able to do that and you continue producing at the level that you think you will, then all of this is going to take care of itself over the next five plus years. But for the here and now, get this contract done, man. What are we waiting for? I'm here? with you on that. And especially when you're 22 years old and you're, you're still super young, you've won a Stanley cup. You've had two great years. You had some injuries, but I'm putting myself in the players skates here. I'm looking at Jordan Cairo, who hasn't played up here as long as me and hasn't won a cup like I did. And I'm saying, well, if he's got 2.8, I should be making something around that. Like, I understand you want to get signed, just get into camp and sign up. But he hasn't been as productive as Jordan Cairo. He his, has not done at any point what Jordan Cairo did for two, the Blues last year. His first two years were a lot better than what people actually remember with what he has produced as a rookie who came straight out of juniors. This past year was just the, the toughest year for him. So 
the, I don't believe this is going to drag into training camp. You're still less than a week away from training camp. I feel like this is going to get done because you do have the clear scenario with Oscar Sundquist and the 2.75 that can go on LTIR. He told JR and I a couple of months ago here on this show that he wasn't going to yeah. be ready for the beginning of the season. So I don't believe this is going to go into training camp. And I know a lot of people are texting in saying, oh, well, this is probably a perfect way for Doug Armstrong to trade Robert Thomas and get something back because another team can deal with this. You're not going to do that right now because he's a cheap option who can be a top six forward for you. So I'm with I'm with you. I'm with Jamie Rivers, but I also can see the player's perspective on this one sitting here saying, you know what? I should be paid more than this. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't. Uh, to be totally honest with you, if you're comparing yourself to Cairo after what Cairo did last year and you've got injury, legit injury questions, if you're Robert Thomas, if they're offering you 2.5 and you want to get 2.8, that's if they're offering them 2.5, though. We don't, I mean, it's been reported that he's been offered somewhere around $2 million, but we don't know that. I mean, it, I mean, right now they only have $700,000. Now, do I think they're offering them $700,000? No. No, of course and not. And they've got more than that if you take off the last defenseman. It's it's closer to like exactly. 1.7 that they've got already right now, even like without going into LTIR at all. And then if you add in the 2.7 from the LTIR for uh, Sunquist, they've got whatever they need to be able to sign Robert Thomas. That's right what now. I want to talk with JR about because if it's offering him $2 million and he's saying, no, I'm going to hold out, for 800000 I think that's a little crazy. Now, if they're offering him 1.5 mil, then yeah, I can understand where he's coming from. But I don't know if we're ever going to know that because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors with Doug Armstrong. Yeah, it, it just, it's confusing to me as to why this is still even up in the air. Like, just get it done. Get, you're a week away from training camp at this point, And if it's, I would imagine that something is going to get done, but I'm legitimately surprised that we have not got seen this contract get done when all of the other restricted free agency contracts were and reading that reading between the lines a little bit in jr's story it, it makes me wonder if there's a little more bubbling the surface beneath the surface always remember the joel edmondson situation too you know that was arbitration and this isn't arbitration but yeah. always remember that you know if they get frustrated with it they'll find a way to do to deal with it otherwise the guy that jr talks to also floated the idea of arizona maybe coming in with a with an offer sheet at this point if that was gonna happen i think it already would have happened but that's something else to keep in mind as well. Maybe the the agent for Robert Thomas is looking around the league right now, yeah. wondering, hey, is there anybody that'll be out there that could potentially offer us a, a well, contract? Well, if that's the well? case, then you're not going to have Robert Thomas because if someone offers sheets him, they're going to offer sheet him three or four million dollars, and the Blues are going to say, okay, sorry, walk. Yeah, and that's for a second round pick. You, you just can't have that. Yeah. So get, get the contracts done. With Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up in about 15 minutes is Edmundo Sosa changing the needs for the Cardinals. I still am leaning towards no, but the more we watch him, the more I wonder what his role is going to be next year. We'll talk about that at 12 o'clock, but coming up next, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. It's time for questions and answers here on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text now to 65780. It's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for questions and answers from the 314. Hey guys, were you able to watch the alternate in Monday Night Football 
uh, broadcast last night with the Mannings on it, and if so, what did you think? Alex, did you did you end up watching any of that? Yeah, I caught some of it, so I was locked into the Cardinals game until they took advantage, and it was like, what, 6 nothing, And I'm like, okay, they've, they've got this in the bag, and so I flipped mm. over to the, uh, the Eli Payton. I thought they did a phenomenal job with it. I thought it was exactly what I expected. Um, didn't get a whole lot of play-by-play, which we talked about yesterday uh, during the show, but man, the guess that they had on the breakdown that those two did, I thought that was a probably the best secondary broadcast that anybody can have when it comes to a game like that. I love when you've got the national championship, typically they, they do the coaches room, the film room. I love watching that because they break down the game in a way that you just don't get on your typical broadcast because they've got more room to be able to do it because they're not doing it for the casual fan. They're doing it for only the people that are really going to be interested in that. I liked that part of the Peyton Manning, Eli Manning setup. I didn't like the guests that much. Really? I don't think they were necessary. Uh, Russell Wilson just kept talking. He would not stop talking. Uh, there were moments like Charles Barkley had a couple of funny moments Charles on him. Barkley. Travis Kelsey had a couple of moments on there as well. Like they, there were moments when it was fine. I like the dynamic with just Eli and Peyton though. If you want to do one, maybe two guests a week and you have them on for a few minutes, that's fine. I, I could see the, the value in having that, but they had like five or six last night. It just became a little too much after a while. I also thought some of the bits that they were doing at the beginning felt a little forced. I don't think you need that with those guys. Just let them sit in there and watch the football game and explain what they're watching. That's where they're at their best. So I enjoyed it. I thought Peyton was better with not technically doing play-by-play, but kind of doing play-by-play in his own way, putting his spin on it. I was impressed by that. I thought that was going to be the biggest downside for this is not having your traditional Steve Levy play-by-play guy. I thought they actually did a pretty good job with it. It's going to take a little while for them to reach their full potential, but I think something like this is a really great idea, not just for the NFL, but for big games in hockey or big games in baseball. Take us through what's going through the mind of a player or a coach or something like that and do it in a way that's a little higher level than what you would typically get on a broadcast. There's an audience for it. It's very specific. It's a niche audience, but there's an audience for it. And I hope that we see more of this moving forward. I think their their chemistry is unbelievable. I mean, they're brothers. They always poke fun at one another. And that's what you love to see. And you know Peyton, he's always had those commercials and he's just he's he's got a sense of humor that that really bodes well with fans. I think no matter what fan you are of which team you always kind of have an appreciation for Peyton Manning because of his humor and what he has done outside of the game. He's great. I uh, love Peyton. He was awesome last night. I was impressed by Eli as well. I thought Eli was great. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they have moving forward. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. This one comes from the 618. Hey, guys, now that it's hockey season again, will Joey Vitale be a regular guest soon? He will indeed. We begin our regular spots with Joey Vitale starting next Thursday. He will be on with our show every Thursday thereafter. At least that's the plan for the hockey season. Uh, he's expected to be on the fast lane on Tuesdays, and he will be on with Carriker and Smallman on Fridays. So there's your schedule for Joey Vitale for the rest of the hockey season. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers uh, from the 314. Hey, guys, what do you think about USC deciding to fire their coach two games into the college football season? That makes no sense to me. Do they just figure out, well, these two games are waste games. Anyway. I guarantee those first two games they paid money to play in, correct? 
Uh, no, their second one was Stanford. Oh, so. okay. I, I just don't understand. Like, why not fire the coach in the offseason and spend the entire season um, working with the players that you have in the new system rather than fire at the middle of it? And I know some of it is you want to keep the recruits that you had with that coach, but that I just I don't understand that at all because that is that is how do you how do you work through that in a week basis now where you just put a whole new coach into your system yeah it's what did you learn in two weeks that you didn't know previously <laughs> clay helton was never going to be the answer and it took six years for them to figure that out everybody on the outside they they promoted him and i was like yeah this is a bad idea you shouldn't be doing this clay helton should not be the next coach at usc that doesn't make any sense and then six years later the administration at usc finally caught on to that I'm fascinated to see what kind of a candidate they're going to be able to acquire here because you're going to hear all of the big names. Urban Meyer's name has already been floated. James already? Fran already, man. James Franklin at... <laughs> Not at that bad in Jacksonville. Oh, it might be. James Franklin at Penn State is going to be floated. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Bob Stoops, I heard Lars Newtbar on with the morning show earlier today, and he said uh, Bob Stoops was somebody that he he has heard is what's, under consideration. What's Tim Tebow doing? I, maybe he'll get some consideration. <laughs> I don't know if USC has the same poll that they once did. No. At its best, USC is one of the best jobs in the country. But I felt the same way about Texas at one point, too. There's a lot that goes into that job. There are a lot of boosters that you've got to keep happy. There are a lot of hands that you got to shake, a lot of babies that you got to be kissing. It's, it is a lot that has to go into that job off of the field. So I'm very curious to see what kind of a candidate they're able to get. The one that makes the most sense is Urban Meyer. And I'm fascinated to see if he decides after, what, six games maybe this year, he decides to re resign and Didn't he goes out to USC. Though? Yeah, but if he, if he resigns, he can walk. You remember Bobby Petrino with the Atlanta Falcons? He left oh, yeah, a note in everybody's locker room and said, I'm gone. <laughs> he just walked out. Irish goodbye. So I, I, this is the job that is most int intriguing to me moving forward. James Franklin makes a lot of sense as well, but I just I don't know that USC can go out there and just pick whoever they want from even really great jobs. What's the, Matt Liner doing? don't like leaving. That'll get people excited. Well, they, haven't been, Fox. they haven't been good since Matt Liner was there. It's true. Reggie I mean, they, they've been to the Rose Bowl a few times, but they haven't been relevant. I haven't said, like, once Alabama came in and they, they've been the relevancy of NCAA football, USC, and especially when Pete Carroll left, yeah. they just haven't been at the forefront of college football. It's and been a decade since they've been there. Exactly. With Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll have a Ferrario 5, the latest edition of the Ferrario 5, coming up in about 15 minutes. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider, will explain what's going on with Robert Thomas and how did it only take $750,000 to bring back um, why Tyler, am I Bozak. Tyler Bozak for the Blues. My goodness, it's been a day. Coming up next, though, Edmundo Sosa. Has he changed the needs for the Cardinals this offseason? We'll talk about it next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Sosa, base hit. One run in to extend the Cardinal lead. The bases remain loaded. And St. Louis has opened up a 6-0 lead here in the ninth inning. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Andrew Marsh. I'm Brandon Kylie. That was an RBI single by Edmundo Sosa last night. He now, for the month of September, is batting 310 with a 335 on base percentage. He has a homer in that stretch as well. And Alex, he's 
He's Man, starting to make me wonder. He's got an umpire hitting the face too. He does. I was going to try to avoid that because we're going on the positive side of things. That was. I mean, that was uh, a good was throw, though. It was a good throw. Hey, props to that umpire for keeping his head right on the base. Right on the tank. base. What a tank. First of all, intense. kept his eyes straight on the base to be able to make the right call. <laughs> Second of all, took it like a champ. How do you not get a concussion from that? Dude, I would have been out for the next three weeks. I would have cried on national television. I was amazed that yeah. he ended up staying in that game. He, he kept looking over. He was like, man, I'm good. I'm good. Just stop. I, I get it. Yeah, I got to wipe this thing off. There's a lot of blood. It maybe needs stitches, but I'll be fine. It's like when Yachty got hit in the back of the head by Dominic Smith on the, spot, the swing through. Dude. And he looked at him. He's like, I'm good. Let's just keep going it was unbelievable with these right. guys so Sorry. mundo sosa has been good all things considered other than you know a, an errant throw last night on what would have been a very difficult play to be fair and he's been outstanding defensively he brings an energy to this team that they absolutely need and alex i've said all season long i don't want to write him into a starting spot next year because i don't want to ask more of him than should be expected I think on a great team, Edmundo Sosa is probably a utility infielder that you love having fill in if somebody were injured. But I don't think he's necessarily a starting caliber shortstop, especially for a team that has deficiencies offensively, because as much as his numbers have been solid this year, he doesn't hit for a whole lot of power. He doesn't have a great on-base percentage. He's not going to be somebody that ever hits towards the top of your order. I read this from Rick Hummel yesterday in his chat with list or with his readers over on the St. Louis Post Dispatch website. And I did want to get your impressions of this. Rick Hummel said, quote, the Cardinals don't need a shortstop. If they think Nolan Gorman is ready to play second base at the major league level, then Edmund or excuse me, Tommy Edmund could be the shortstop. That was his original position. And they also have Edmundo Sosa, who's hitting 285 this year, and Paul DeYoung, who surely is a better player than what he's shown so far. But there is very little pitching ready to come up yet, and that's where the club needs to focus its attention this offseason. End quote again. That came from Rick Hummel on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch website. Do you agree with that assessment? That this Cardinals team, given the options that they have at shortstop, do not need to add one in the offseason? I don't. I don't. I think if you want to take that next step and be on the same tier as the Dodgers, you got to upgrade your shortstop position and get an elite bat to be at the top four or five in your batting order. And Edmundo Sosa is just not that for you. I'm fine if Tommy Edmond is, is a shortstop for me, but I have to upgrade and get a big-time bat elsewhere then. If that's the route you're going to go, make sure you get another bat. But for me, I think what makes the most sense is getting that next-level bat but also filling the void that is a shortstop. And what I'm worried about this offseason is exactly what the commission just said. Paul DeYoung is better than what he showed this season. If he is, I don't know if he's ever going to meet that here in St. Louis. I really don't. And we, we Katie Wu talked with him. We spoke about that yesterday, how he might be too in his own head, analytics style. Whatever it may be, it seems like he's gripping the bat too tight. And I don't know how that's going to change because he's been doing it the last couple of seasons. So if you're going to go with Edmundo Sosa and Tommy Edmond at shortstop and Nolan Gorman's ready to be the second baseman, I don't think Nolan Gorman's that next level bat. And we know Edmundo Sosa can't be that on a consistent basis. If you're going to go that way, make sure you get a big time bat elsewhere like a Nick Castellanos and also upgrade the pitching. I think you need to upgrade in at least three of these four spots offensively in the offseason. You, uh, you got to upgrade at second offensively. You got to upgrade at shortstop offensively. You have to upgrade your left-handed options off of the bench. So Matt Carpenter's spot, you got to be better in that spot going into next year. 
and you've got to have a guy that can actually project as a legitimate DH, a threat in your lineup that could bat anywhere from second to sixth in your order that can play DH for you next year. You've got to have all of those. At least three of the four have to be upgraded going into next year. So if you decide in this offseason to stick with Edmundo Sosa, I think you can get by with that. If you have Nolan Gorman ready to go and he's an impact bat right away at second, and you add a DH like a Nick Castellanos who you mentioned, and you go out there and get a legit left-handed bat, whether that be in the outfield or on your bench as an infielder, maybe it's a Brad Miller, Jock Peterson type. Whoever it ends up being, you got to have one of those as well. You've got to make a lot of moves around what you have at shortstop if that's the route you go. And then you also would have to upgrade as a legit number one or two starter. Like if you're going this route, it means you've you've signed some guys for cheaper as the position player side of things. And now you have money left over for your starting staff. So maybe you do go get a Zach Grinke or a Max Scherzer or one of the top end starters that are available on the market for one or two years. If that's the route you decide to go, that's fine. This helps you defensively. It keeps the cost down position player-wise, but you've got to upgrade significantly around them because now on an everyday basis, you'll have Edmundo Sosa and Harrison Bader in your lineup at the bottom of the order. That I, I like what Edmundo Sosa has been offensively this year. I think in the future, he's probably going to be closer to what you've seen from Tommy Edmond where it's like a 250 average and a 300 on base percentage. And we get very frustrated watching that when the offense around them does not succeed. So you're going to need a lot of upgrades around him if this is what you decide. Yeah, to do. look, and if, if, if hypothetically you get to the point where they say, you know what, Edmundo Sosa's their starting shortstop next year. Okay, because I feel like he can be good. I mean, he has been good in clutch situations. I mean, he's come up with some big hits when guys are on base. And frankly, there hadn't been a lot of guys that have done that on a consistent level. And the defense is much better than Paul DeYoung there. So I feel good about that. But here's the thing. You can't you can't sell me on the Cardinals making a push next year by saying, well, Edmundo Sosa is going to be our internal upgrade at shortstop. We have Nolan Gorman, so there's the big bat. And we feel Matthew Levator is ready to go and compete along with these guys. So we'll bring back Jay Happ and we'll keep the team as is. You can't sell me on that. And I guarantee you won't be able to sell Cardinals fans sure. on that either. But if you keep Edmundo Sosa and say, that's fine, but we're going to go out and get Nick Castellanos. And on top of that, we're going to bring in Zach Greinke. Guess what? You sold me on it because I'm fine with Edmundo Sosa being in my seven or eight hole or possibly the nine hole now that you have the DH, but you also upgraded the top of your batting order, which has been a area of struggle this season. Yeah, it's it's got to be around that position, right? If you, if you don't upgrade from Sosa and he has convinced you now he's a legit starting caliber shortstop, which I actually think for some teams he could be. I don't think that this is a, an Edmundo Sosa problem where he's not a starting caliber player. He could be Jose Iglesias. I mean, Jose Iglesias was a 10-year starter in this league while never really being a great hitter. You could get that out of Edmundo Sosa. The problem is he's got to be in the right lineup. Mm -hmm. It's everything that's around him. This is the Harrison Bader problem, right? You can have Harrison Bader as a starting center fielder because of the value that he brings defensively. I read about him yesterday, Alex. He led all of baseball, regardless of position, in defensive runs saved in the month of August. Like, almost doubled up the fifth or sixth place guy. He's amazing defensively, and he brings a ton of value there. But when you have other guys in your lineup that are automatics outs on top of Bader, suddenly you start hearing some of the, oh, I got to watch this guy offensively again. And I get it. I do. But if you've got a really good offense around them, like Harrison Bader would be a perfect guy to play for the Dodgers or the Giants this year because they don't need him to produce at a super high level offensively. And if the Cardinals get there around those guys, 
they can have Edmundo Sosa and Bader in the lineup. But you've got to have some mashers, one through seven, to be able to get by in this version of the National League right now. I still now. sit here and say that for next season, you got to get a guy who can hit in the two-hole. you got to get somebody who can hit at the one or the two spot. And if Tommy Edmonds hit it in my one, and I understand Paul Goldschmidt has been great there as of late, and you don't want to mess that up. But Paul Goldschmidt doesn't have a good first four months of the season. I need somebody who can have a good entire season in the number two spot and then have Paul Goldschmidt, Tyler O'Neill, and Nolan Arenado round that out for me because I can't go back with the same one through four that you have right now because I know it's not going to be the same in April, the same in May, June, or July. you got to get somebody who will keep it consistent from April until October. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Andrew Marsh. I'm Brandon Kylie. Jeremy Rutherford will join us coming up in about 15 minutes or so. I want to get his impression from the first day of Prospects Camp out at Centene and Enterprise today. Talk to our Blues Insider coming up in 15 minutes or so. But coming up next... It's time for the latest edition of the Ferrario Five. We are officially through the first week of the NFL season. Who are the teams that we learned the most about? Who did Alex change his mind the most about after one week of the NFL season? He'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. The NFL slate over the last... 48 hours has been unbelievable to watch we've seen some upsets we've seen teams that we thought were going to be amazing this year look awful looking at you Packers we've seen some teams live up to every expectation of what we thought they could be coming into the year and everything in between and then last night we got a great capper with I'm not even sure what I watched at the end of that Ravens versus Raiders game but I know I enjoyed watching it so I asked Alex, could you put together the five teams that you feel like we learned the most about? And Alex said, BK, that sounds like a Ferrario five to me. So Alex, Marshy hit the open. You're listening to BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Ferrario five, a top five list of very random things. So Ferrario, give us your top five. By the way, props to the NFL because, like, perfect Thursday night football game, perfect Sunday night football game, and then perfect Monday night football game. You couldn't have asked for a better schedule and to the, kick the week the off. the Sunday 3 o'clock slate was great as well because you had one stinker. The Saints game against the Packers yeah. was horrible. Nobody mm, wanted terrible. to watch that after the first quarter. But you had an awesome game between the Chiefs and the Browns, so that was basically your national televised game in the in the 3 o'clock slate. I mean, if you, I mean, if anybody ever questioned the NFL, and I know they treated people poorly here in St. Louis, and rightfully so, you should be angry with them. But, man, did they bring you back on board just as a common sports yeah, fan. The, I mean, the product is... It's on. It's it's at the best it's ever it's been. It's unimpeachable. Yeah. It's incredible to watch, and as a TV viewing product, it's it's amazing. It's it, you've got some of the best players in the world playing at an incredibly high level, and offenses are as good as they've ever been, which makes it even more fun to watch as a viewer. So it's it it was an awesome first week. With that being said, the five teams that changed my opinion, and this is positive and negative because there were some teams that flipped me the other sure. direction. But I'm going to start with the Denver Broncos. We talked a lot in the offseason about Denver and their quarterback decisions of what this was going to look like. Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Locke, you got to figure something out. But I really believed that that defense was going to be able to keep them in games. And of course, they have plenty of weapons at wide receiver, running back, 
because they got Melvin Gordon, and he's on my fantasy team. BK shot him down, Marshy, but watch out, 25 <laughs> points in week one. Anyway, I really think Denver changed my opinion. Now, can they be dominant and win the AFC West? No, I don't think so. The Chiefs have that in the bag. But I do think that they could compete for a wild card spot, or if anything, make it an issue for teams and feel like they're taking a step in the right direction. So they changed my opinion because I really did not trust Teddy Bridgewater with the Denver Broncos. I... I think the Broncos are exactly what I expected them to be, to be totally honest right, with we'll throw you. throw that one out. No, 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 no. It's, it's a fair one because I think there are a lot of people that are going to be right there with you, Alex. I wasn't sure if they were going to be 10-7 and seven or 7-10, seven and 10, and it all comes down to Teddy Bridgewater. Like, the caliber of team around him, I feel pretty strong in my conviction of what they are. They're great defensively. Vic Fangio went for it on fourth down a few times against the Giants which is not something you expect bigger. from a conservative, defensive-minded coach. It's bigger cojones than Mike McCarthy. I appreciate that about him. If he continues doing that and the Broncos get this level of performance out of Teddy Bridgewater consistently, I'm a little worried about Jerry Judy's injury. That stinks for them. But they've got other guys. They've got mm. other weapons that can step up for him. They're playing Jacksonville this week. That should be a win. They've got New York next week. That should also be a win. There's a good chance the Broncos start the year 3-0 and with a real shot of making the playoffs in 2021. I, I wonder if they could be better than the Chargers and Raiders this year. That, that That's my question in the AFC West. It's going to be tough because the Chargers, I think, are better than, and look, they're 1-0 on the season, but I think they're better than what they showed in week one. And Raiders are my number four team on this one, guys. I thought the Raiders were going to be a bust this year. I thought this was going to be the year that they said no more to Derek Carr, might even look at a head coaching change, new stadium, Vegas, this needs to be fixed. I was really impressed last night. I mean, Derek Carr in the fourth quarter, he was a man locked in. And I heard Lewis Riddick say this on the broadcast that like, look, if you're going to take that next step as the quarterback, you have to make sure that everyone else is engaged and on the same level as you are when you're on the field. And I felt like he had that last night. He had his players locked in. Darren Waller is going to be one of the best tight ends in the game, right up there with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle for how he plays. Josh Jacobs is always a question, but they got some backup in Kenyon Drake, and the defense was really impressive as well. I was telling you, Max Crosby went out last night. Thank so mm. I, I think the Raiders, I think the Raiders are going to be a playoff team as well. I think Derek Carr has actually changed a lot of people's opinion on that team. I think there's a strong case to be made for the Raiders having one of the most impressive performances of the weekend. I picked the Raiders just off of a gut hunch. And some of the injuries that we've seen from the Ravens over the last couple of weeks, they're going to miss Marcus Peters all season long. They're without, I think, three of their top running backs right now. They don't have their first round wide receiver. That looked a lot like some of the issues that we saw with the Ravens a year ago. Yeah. So from that game last night, I, I was impressed by the Raiders and I was so di disheartened by the results that we got out of the Ravens in week one. I, I'm curious to see what they look like moving forward as well. That's my number three. Uh, they, they turned me in the other direction. I thought that they were going to be a team that could compete with Kansas City and Cleveland and the AFC. Not after what I saw. And look, props to Lamar Jackson because he was able to drive his team down the field when they needed to. That defense is banged up, and even with it being banged up, I don't know how tight they're going to be able to play some of this stiff competition. I know they have a good front line on paper, but man, did they look slow against Derek Carr in that in that Raiders team. And then offensively, it's the same thing I've always said. Like, you have weapons, but they're not weapons like other team. Like, Marquise Brown's good, but is he good enough to, to take that team and say, oh, well, he's got his number one receiver? No. 
and I don't think any of the other weapons really are. So Lamar Jackson's choice is you can take a chance and throw the ball and see what happens, or his go-to is running the ball. Yeah. And I know he's dominant, but I just don't feel like they have a strong enough team to compete in the AFC. They're limited. They're fine, but they're limited. And this is why after week one, my biggest overall takeaway for the AFC is there's three tiers right now among the contenders in that conference. Tier number one is one team in size. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They're still at the top of the pecking order for the AFC. Tier two, also one team. It's the Cleveland Browns. I know they're 0-1 after the first week of the season. The only reason they're 0-1 is because they went up against the greatest quarterback in the world right now in Patrick Mahomes. And if they didn't, they would have won that game against just about anybody else in the league. The Browns right now, for me, are the biggest competitor for the Chiefs in the AFC. And then Tier 3 is everybody else that thinks they're a contender this year. You can throw the Dolphins and the Patriots and the Bills and the Steelers and the Ravens and the Colts and the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders. All of them are thrown into this jumbled mess that is the middle of the AFC right now that's going to be sorted out over the next eight weeks or so. I think there's three tiers for those contenders, and the top two are the Chiefs and the Browns, and then it's everybody else. Yeah, the second team that changed my opinion were the Arizona Cardinals. I, I really didn't trust Arizona. I didn't trust Kyler Murray. We talked a lot about this yesterday, so I don't have to spend too much time on this, but I think Arizona is going to be fighting for that number one spot in the NFC West. And everybody seems to agree with you. We've got some great hot takes from ESPN yesterday. Oh, boy, <laughs> were people, the takes were flowing on the Cardinals as a legit Super Bowl contender yesterday. So we'll get to those coming up at the water o'clock And then hour. my number one here, boys, are the Cleveland Browns. And it's hard to go against this. And look, I was going to put Dallas up here, but Dallas did start off 0-1-1. So did Cleveland. But I think Cleveland's loss was more impressive of what Kansas City did. I am really sold on this Cleveland Browns defense. I know offensively it looks great. I'm a little concerned of what it's going to look like when you put OBJ back into the picture with Baker and Jarvis Landry. Love the run game, but more impressively, it's the defense from Cleveland because Cleveland, to me, showed that they're a Super Bowl contender this year. The five teams Alex says he learned the most about in week one. If you want to send yours in, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We can get more into this as we go throughout the day today. Alex had it number one, the Cleveland Browns. Number two, the Arizona Cardinals. Number three, the Baltimore Ravens in last night's Monday Night Football game. Number four, the Raiders from last night's Monday Night Football ball game and at number five the Denver Broncos that is your Ferrari 05 for today coming up in about 15 minutes we'll dive into the junk drawer but coming up next Jeremy Rutherford just got done talking with some of the prospect the top prospects and learned a ton about what the Blues are planning for them this year we'll talk to him about that plus the situation right now with Tyler Bozak, who just signed a one-year deal. And is Robert Thomas going to get signed before camp? Lots to talk about with our Blues Insider, JR, next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. That's Alex Ferrario. He's Andrew Marsh, and I'm Brandon Kylie. Very happy to go out to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to be joined by the one and only Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider for The Athletic and 101 ESPN. JR, how you doing today, man? Good, lads. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing very well. So you've been on these Zooms with uh, everybody talking about the first day of prospects camps for the Blues. If you could sum up the most important thing for Blues fans to know coming out of this so far in about 60 seconds or so, what do Blues fans <laughs> need to know about the first day of prospects camp? 
Well, I think from a personal standpoint, it's great to watch hockey. I think number two for uh, guys like Tim Taylor, the Blues director of player development, you know, after a year and a half and not being able to see these guys play, he's got them all under the same roof with their last name on the back of their sweater and, and can, uh, you know, write some notes about how they look and talk amongst the staff about the, the team as we move forward. And, and so I think the names that, that stick out, uh, Scott Perinovich is a name that Blues fans might hear a lot about this year. Uh, he's the Hobie Baker winner from a couple of years ago, college hockey's best player. Uh, missed last year after having shoulder surgery, and he's going to be in camp and a chance to make the team. And he's going to head to Traverse City this weekend, and they put the C on his chest, so that's how much they think about him. And then uh, Zachary Bolduc, this year's first-round pick, he has a lower body injury. The Blues announced today he did not skate. He's going to be held off the ice for a couple of days and he will uh, be a question mark as the team goes to Traverse City. So just a couple names there to think about uh, as uh, as camp gets going. Yeah, Jared, let's stick with Scott Perunovich because I saw that tweet that you put out of Tim Taylor saying that he's going to get the captain, and I was really impressed because part of me wondered if it would be like a Dakota Joshua who had some NHL experience last season, and of course they're high on this guy as being an NHL player this year. But what does that say about their thoughts of Scott Perunovich? Because it's already a pretty heavily uh, contended spot on the defensive unit. But now with Perunovich getting a C for Traverse City, it seems like they're wanting this kid to make camp. Yeah, I think they want to give him some confidence. Here's a guy, gosh, I feel so badly for him just because he hasn't been able to play much hockey the last uh, year and a half, two years, you know, after winning a couple national championships in college. And uh, I know a lot of players haven't been able to play, especially the juniors and, and junior level players and the college guys because of the pandemic, but here's a guy who finally he can play and he has a shoulder injury last year in camp, and, and so he has to uh, sit out and, and go through the rehab. So I think they're giving him some confidence. Alex, you look at the four, five, six, seven, eight in the Blues defense, and it's kind of wide open. I think that Scott Brinovich, even though he doesn't have any NHL experience, is going to be able to come into camp and show that uh, he could maybe take one of those roles. So, uh, you know, I don't want to – put the cart in front of the horse here he definitely needs some seasoning he hasn't played a lot of hockey the past couple of years but here's a guy who's hungry and you know why not put the c on him and say hey take charge of this thing so the other big news that it's taken place today jr is that the blues have announced they have signed uh tyler bozak to a one-year deal worth seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. there are some potential bonuses there from what i've seen it could make it up to like one and a half million dollars or somewhere thereabouts uh, what did you think of the signing, and were you surprised at all by how little it took to sign Tyler Bozak? Y- yes and no. And I go back to last season watching Bozak when he came back from that concussion and, and the way he played. Uh, I thought he was one of the Blues' better two or three, four players in terms of his role and what he was accomplishing in the second half of last year. I remember even tweeting, BK, that you know here's a guy uh, who could make $3 million maybe for one year, two years, uh, as he gets into his mid-30s here. I felt like he was really worth that. And so I am surprised to see that it was so low, 750000 but you add in the bonuses, and like you said, it could be worth you know, a million and a half, two million. Uh, but I'm not surprised because I think that he really wants to be and stay a part of this team. You know, he, he has his uh, young kids, his family here, you know, kind of tough interest in Pittsburgh, maybe some interest in Colorado, elsewhere around the league, but you're uprooting everybody here in uh, mid-September. So I think he likes what uh, the Blues have here. He likes his role here. He's familiar with the coaching staff. To me, 
having not spoken to him yet until tomorrow, probably until the contract's official. Those are the reasons why I believe that uh, he wanted to remain with the St. Louis Blues. Jer, this might be a little tinfoil Ferrario theory here, but do you feel like the Bozak signing, and we all kind of assumed he was going to sign, but is that a little bit of an insurance for Doug Armstrong in case this Robert Thomas thing drags further through camp? Yeah, that's one of the first things that I thought of, too. First of all, I think you want Tyler Bozak on your team, especially if you can get him on the cheap. But secondly, you know, who knows where this Robert Thomas thing is headed, how long it's going to drag out. I wrote about it yesterday at The Athletic, is that nothing was imminent in terms of a contract for Robert Thomas. Could change in the next couple of days. I know that uh, both sides are hoping to get this done before the start of camp next week. But, yeah, if you can get into camp and, and have a Tyler Bozak because maybe you miss Robert Thomas for a day, two days, a week, which nobody wants to see. This is a guy who really needs to take that next step in the development, uh, and you can ill afford to miss time in camp. But to have Tyler Bozak in there uh, as a guy who can you know, play a similar role in terms of a third-line player, uh, I think it is really smart by uh, Doug Armstrong to get that done. Jeremy Rutherford is our guest here on 101 ESPN. Find his work over at The Athletic. That's where you can find his latest piece, breaking down exactly what's happened in these Robert Thomas negotiations. Thomas is a restricted free agent right now. He's probably looking at a bridge deal for the next couple of seasons. The Blues have his rights. And JR, I thought you did a great job of explaining where we're at in this process. And as I was reading it, all I could think to myself was, Man, there are there are some similarities here between this and what we saw last year with the Vince Dunn situation. I, I guess my question to you would be this. Are we really having a holdup right now over something like $500,000 per year in this two-year contract? And if so, it, to me, from the outside looking in, that feels like something that is pretty easy to smooth over. But is that where we're at right now? Yeah, I think so, but I think it's probably a little bit bigger than that. And first of all, I didn't get into it into the article, but you know, having an RFA not signed at this time of the year, even though it's a few days before camp, is you know not uh, you know the biggest news around the league. I mean, you look at uh, Pedersen in Vancouver, Brady Kachuk with St. Louis and in Ottawa, he's unsigned. There's a number of guys, uh, Kaprizov in Minnesota, a number of these RFA guys who are unsigned, and so Robert Thomas is kind of a, a second tier guy in that department. You know. Squabbling over 500 grand, there's there's more to it in terms of, you know, hey, I feel if this guy has this role, a.k.a. Jordan Cairo, you know, I've meant as much to the team the past couple of years as he is. You're paying him 2.8. Uh, you know, I think that I deserve around that same money. And then also uh, there's particulars. Like look at Jordan Cairo's contract. The second year uh, is a 3.2. That's going to be his qualifying offer moving forward. And so if you're Robert Thomas and you come in at, you know, 2.2 and second year pays you 2.5, you know, that's your qualifying offer. So it's not just on this contract where maybe you're missing $500,000, but it could be moving forward too when you don't get the the qualifying offer uh, that you're looking for. So to me, uh, there's a little more to it, but as I mentioned a minute ago, guys, Robert Thomas, you know, if you could think of any player who needed to be in camp on time and get things moving and have a productive year, it'd be him. So, so why isn't he there then, Jr? I remember you having the conversation. We had we had a similar interview about Vince Dunn last year, and I know the situations are not apples to apples. There are differences. That was a one year, like he knew exactly what he was going to get. The money wasn't even really a question. So, it, it is not the exact same, and I don't want to suggest that it is. But if you're Robert Thomas, don't you just want to get this done, get into camp, and have the season that you were expecting to a year ago, given how how things went last year, and then. 
two years from now, when you're done with this contract, that's when you could really bank in. The difference, at least for me, and I'm on the outside looking in, so maybe I'm wrong on this, but the difference between a couple hundred thousand dollars over the next couple of years seems so insignificant compared to what he's going to eventually get if he's the player that he believes he is on that next deal. That's when you really make your money as a player. Yeah, no, there's definitely an argument to be made that, you know, he could serve himself himself much better by getting into camp and becoming that player and making the money on the back end of this deal. But, you know, I guess the one thing I would say is, you know, keep in mind that we're still a week out. So if they're still in negotiations and the offer on the table right now is I'm just, you know, throwing this out there, 2.2, 2.3, you know, maybe push come to shove the night before camp, you know, the Blues are at 2.5 and he settles for 2.5. So, I think that if camp started tomorrow, maybe you would see a deal today, but this has always been a deadline league and we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I completely know that uh, Robert Thomas understands how important it is and he realizes there's a deadline coming up and he'll make his decision uh, based on what happens here in the next five or six, seven days. JR, I think a, a lot of Blues fans see this whole Robert Thomas scenario, and I'm sure you've seen the questions in your mailbags, but we've been seeing them on the text line. Is there any possibility that you feel that the Robert Thomas kind of holdout could result in a trade? You know, it's a good question. Um, I don't see it as a possibility at the moment. I know there's been a lot of speculation about you know, he hasn't taken that next step. Perhaps now is the time to trade him while there is some interest around the league, people who believe in his future. But to me, I look at Robert Thomas and, you know, nine goals, 33 points as a rookie, part of that Stanley Cup team, second season, 42 assists. Yeah, there's a lot of criticism about him in terms of, you know, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. He's got the, the vision and he makes great passes and he, he can make players around him better. But you know, at some time, at some point, he's going to have to become a shooter. So there's criticisms of his game right now, but we're still looking at a 22-year-old guy uh, who can play in this league. And, you know, look what happened with Jordan Cairo the past couple of years. Didn't think he may ever develop as an NHL player. And then whammo, breakout season, 35 points and a, and a brand new contract. So I definitely think that potential is there with Robert Thomas. And to be honest, I would be a little bit fearful that if you move him, something like that could happen uh, where he develops uh, tremendously elsewhere. So I'd be a little bit careful in terms of the contract. I think the money's close enough that I, I couldn't see a, a trade because of uh, they just can't get this thing done. And so they're forced to move him. I, I just don't see that at the moment. JR, congrats. You've just done the best uh, interview on the station ever because you said the word whammo in the middle of it. I don't even know where that came from. I think I was searching for the word when it popped out of my mouth. <laughs> Only thing that would have been better is blammo, but we'll save that for next time. <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> JR, final question that I've got for you. Um, what what else do we need to be paying attention to? We are now a week away from Blues training camp. You've got the prospects out there right now. I know Chris Thorburn apparently is going to be working with some of the prospects this year. What What else do we need to be looking forward to in the week ahead of the Blues officially opening things up? Yeah, I think one thing to pay attention to, uh, BK, is uh, the goaltending. Joel Hofer, Colton Ellis are the prospects uh, who are here in camp. And uh, and Tim Taylor, the like, as I mentioned, the director of player development, he mentioned today that Hofer is going to be the number three guy in the uh, system, in the organizational depth chart. And so he'll be the number one in Springfield for their American Hockey League team. But I know I've been asked a lot of questions about uh, after Bennington and after Huso, you know, what's next in the pipeline and what if Bennington gets hurt, what are the Blues going to do? And here's a guy, Joel Hofer, who did win gold medal with World Junior Championship uh, Team Canada, but here's a guy who doesn't have much experience, never played an NHL game, obviously, 
And last year, I only got about 10 starts in because of the pandemic and, and the fact that they just weren't playing a lot in the American Hockey League. So, you know, I think if you're a Blues fan and, you know, I'm trying to rope the big picture together here with uh, with the NHL team and the prospects, I think it would be the development of Joel Hofer. What do you see in him in Traverse City this weekend? And what do you see in him in training camp next week? We're looking forward to it. And JR, we'll be looking forward to reading all of your coverage. As I said earlier, you had a great piece uh, yesterday on Robert Thomas and what's taking place right now in those negotiations. You talked with an NHL source that's been in these kinds of talks before. He gave some great insight into that. People can find it over at The Athletic. They should subscribe for the great work, great content, such as that piece. JR, we appreciate the time, man. We always look forward to having you on on Tuesdays, and we'll talk with you again soon, my friend. Whammo. Whammo, JR. <laughs> Whammo. It's Jeremy Rutherford here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Anything there that you, you wanted to react to, Alex? Uh, I, I do think the Joel Hofer thing's an interesting de- uh, development because he's right. I, I mean, you're uh, people are already concerned about Ville Husso being the backup, and if something did happen to Jordan Bennington, which, knocking on yeah. all of this wood right now, you'd be in a really interesting predicament because it's not like you have some money to spend elsewhere. So something to keep an eye on. And also, you know, we didn't get into it with him. We'll hear from him tomorrow. But from what I'm understanding, everyone in Blues camp really loves last year's first-round draft pick. Jake Neighbors was a part of the training camp last year. Uh, he's back this year. I think Tim Taylor said that he paid his own money to be here in August to work out with the players. Oh, good. Uh, so keep an, keep an eye on this not kid as well. Not good that he paid his own money, but good well, to see that he's committed. You're rolling in money, BK, so it's fine. But, yeah, so... It, I would say those are interesting developments, but no, I mean, everything else JR said in terms of Robert Thomas and Tyler Bozak makes a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, we did get a text. I want to clear this up for you. 65780 is your comfort service text line from the 314. Wow. BK says a couple hundred thousand dollars is not in, is not significant, and Robert Thomas shouldn't be worried about that. I just need to get your job, I guess, BK. Uh, listen, I get it. Uh, no, for me, a couple hundred thousand dollars would be massively significant. I'd, I'd probably retire with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. We're talking about a contract negotiation that is in the $2 million range for multiple years. And it's not that BK said it's insignificant. He's saying, like, if you're arguing over $500,000 of you coming to camp and not being with the team, that's the part that you just need to drop it and come to camp, work the first year of your bridge deal, and then get paid more the next time around. If If this year goes well for him, what I'm saying is, the Blues would be more than happy to compensate him after this year or certainly after next if things go well in year one of this contract. Yeah. Haggling over a couple hundred thousand dollars over the next couple of years, this is not where players make their money. It's just not. Hockey players at that level, we're not talking the elite of the elites. Nathan McKinnon is on a different level, of course. Um, some of the top defensemen in the league, you see them sign early. I, I get all of that. The contracts that we're talking about right now with Robert Thomas is a bridge deal. And the bridge deal is there to hopefully get you to that big time money, the four year contract, five year deal worth four to five million dollars per season, if not more. If he becomes that player and Robert Thomas clearly sees himself as being that player, at least his representatives do, then you're going to make up more than make up for this on the back end of the contract. So get a sign, get into camp, make sure you're ready to go for this season, start off on the right foot, and you'll be good to go. So I, that's why I'm a little confused by all of this. It it just seems like haggling just to haggle instead of just getting the deal done and making sure that you're in the best situation to be able to succeed going into the 2021 season. That's where I'm at on it. But hopefully it's a moot point. And next week we come into camp, Robert Thomas signed, 
and we don't have to talk about this ever again. Coming up in 15 minutes or so, the Blue, the Blues, the Cardinals are officially a half game back of the playoffs. Show the Blues. Are you ready to buy into this team? Are you excited about this playoff chase? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. I would love to hear your mic drops as well. Are you excited to watch the Cardinals down the stretch? Yes or no? And explain why to us. That's coming up in 15 minutes or so. The Junk Drawer is coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. With Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh, I'm Brandon Kylie coming up in 10 minutes or so. Get your mic drops in right now. The Air Comfort Service tax line 65780 as well. The 101 ESPN app is where you send your Rhino Shield mic drops. Are you excited for this Cardinals team to push for the postseason? We'll get into that coming up in about 10 minutes or so. But right now it's time to dive into the junk drawer. All right, Alex, are you a big fan of Taco Bell? Is that your your drive through of choice it depends what's the drink of choice before taco bell well i would imagine most of us end up having a couple like seltzers yeah seltzers couple of brewskis a whiskey a whiskey what, whatever you're uh, I, typically when i'm going whiskey i'm not going to taco <laughs> bell after but look, hey you know whatever look if i'm going fast food there there's usually a it's a short list but taco bell would be towards the top of that list okay that's fair so taco bell if you are a big fan of it i would recommend checking this out they are starting a new subscription service. Like a library? Similar to a library. I was thinking more like streaming services. But yeah, I mean, if you're like the, if I check out a, a Maxi Melt, do I have to return it in seven to ten days? A little different than oh, that. Okay. That's why I was going to go more towards the streaming Usually service about side seven of things. to ten minutes. So the way this is going to work, <laughs> it's called a Taco Lover's Pass. And you can order one crunchy taco. A soft taco, a spicy potato soft taco, or a Doritos Loco taco per day for 30 straight days on the app. Wait, what's a spicy potato taco? Never heard of that before. I'm guessing it's their vegetarian option. Oh, I've never okay. had one, but I'm assuming that's what it is. Okay, so you can basically get one for 30 or within in 30 days? Uh, no, you can get one a day for 30 days. So it's a subscription. You can have so one taco member. per day if okay. you're a member of this for 30 days. And the cost of the pass is 5 to $10 a month, depending on where you're located and which specific Taco Bell you're looking for. I might have to buy this. Five to ten bucks a month, and any time that I want to go to Taco Bell, I can just drive through and grab myself a taco? Yeah, I'm in on that. But how often do you go to Taco Bell in a month? Often enough to get five or ten dollars worth, probably. Really? Yeah, I mean, if you go like five times, this thing's paid for itself. I just do don't... I go to Taco Bell five times a month? The answer's probably no. But I'm sure know. there's a good number of people that could, oh, could get in on that. I just don't know if I could do that. Like... I don't know if I could do it that many times in a month to where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I justified it. I know Apparently, it's only $5. there are people that are saying, by the way, that the potato taco is delightful, but it is not vegetarian. Really? Oh, it is vegetarian. It is vegetarian and it is delightful. Is it vegetarian or non-vegetarian? <laughs> Does it taste good? That's that's the, the key question. 
I mean, apparently, yes. Apparently, it's incredible. So, highly recommended, according to like five or ten different people on the. I mean, look, if you were talking to college Ferrario, I'd over this because I'd be I'd be banking this in probably three days. This feels like it's geared towards eighteen to twenty-two year old men and women. That'd be your meal plan. Oh my god! You know what I used to do when we would go to the movies all the time was my buddy and I would go to Taco Bell and we would buy like fifteen Mexi melts and just take in the grocery or the uh, the plastic bag of tacos to the movies. I've snuck in some weird stuff into movie theaters before, man. What's the strangest thing you've ever snuck into a movie theater? 24 inch, 24 inch pizza. <laughs> what? Okay. Big freaking are you, pizza. Are you wearing like a No, so what it was, it, man, this is not going to sound good. So I, I've grown from this, ladies and gentlemen. I don't do this anymore because I believe in what hey, we man, do. listen, the, the movie theater. Everyone They're getting stuff their in. money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we, we bought our tickets, but what we did was I would buy two tickets, and then my buddy with the pizza would be standing at the side door ready to come in. So I would go get the tickets. I'd let him in the side door, and then we would both walk into the movie with a pizza. That it's checks not, out. It's not a bad we, idea. We brought in buckets of chicken before, chicken KFC. wings. Oh, yeah, KFC. Lots of tacos. We've done it all, man. That's how you get free food in there. See, I feel like the go-to is always Chipotle, because you could just put one of those burritos in your, your significant other's purse, and you're good to go. You're going to put it in, your per- in her purse and not in your own pants? I mean, I guess you could always put it in your pocket, but that feels a little risky. Honestly, Never risky. I've, I've been to a few movies here lately. I've just walked right in with my stuff. Well, now they don't do it anymore. But like, I literally have just walked in. I just said, if they if they say anything, I'll put it away. I sound like such an old person now. But when I w- used to go to the movies in high school, like they used to have somebody standing at the door that would be like, "Sir, you can't bring that in." Oh yeah, of like I'd bring in soda in a water bottle, and I'd be like, "Oh, this has got my medicine in it. I gotta take it." And they'd be like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> go ahead." Now it's like you could walk in with a twenty-four inch pizza, and then look at you be like, "Yeah, can I have some of that?" If you could have anywhere that has this subscription service, what would you what would you want? Like any in food in terms of food, any fast, uh, quick oh. service, casual food chain. That's a tough Which one. Which one would you go with? You could, have, you could only have one. Honestly, place. I think mine would be Raisin Cane's. That's a good one. I go there way too much. There's there's a Raisin Cane's right by my wife's salon, mm-hmm. and so every time I go and stop in to get a haircut, I'm like, yeah, let's go get some Raisin Cane's. It would probably be Raisin Cane's like for it, me. It's not the same, but I feel like Joya's would be on that oh, list for yeah, you well, as well. See, I was thinking fast food. If there was a subscription, oh yeah, Joya's. Like five uh, bucks a week, <laughs> and you can get a, a one per week. I feel like that's got your name written all over it. Oh, my God. I, I think I'm every going... Day. Penn Station. That's a good one as I well. I love Penn Station. Raisin Cane's is a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Crazy Bowls is another one that oh, I go crazy to a lot. loves Crazy Bowls. It, it's I, I think, CB Dubs. I think I lean Crazy Bowls over uh, Qdoba oh. or Chipotle at this point. I mean, oh, all absolutely. three are my go-tos, but I, I think Crazy Bowls might be number one. Someone on said list. we've brought a 30 rack into the theaters before. Does that mean like a 30 rack of ribs? No, that I don't means think a 30 so. rack of beer. Oh. Probably what they're drinking before well, they we go to Taco food. Bell. Food, of course. We've snuck beer into the movie theaters before. Naturally, I, I think. I think mine. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah, I mean, of course. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the one hundred one ESPN app as well. Coming up in fifteen minutes or so, we'll play a game of Better or Forget It. But coming up next, are you excited to watch this Cardinals team the last three weeks of the season? Now Woo! that you know they're going to be in the thick of this wild card race. Talk about it next. Hear from you guys coming up on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. The 
Cardinals are officially in the thick of things. They are a half game back in the wild card standings right now, and all of these teams that are around them are incredibly flawed, just like this Cardinals team is. So I'm curious for Cardinals fans as of today. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and the Rhino Shield mic drop feature is on the 101 ESPN app. Are you excited for these final three weeks of the Cardinals regular season? They're going to be in the race the whole time, you would assume. Alex, I'll ask you first, and then we'll get some some of our listeners' answers on this. Are you excited to see what the final three weeks of the season holds for this Cardinals team? Excited? No. Interested? Yes. Excited is hard for me to, to say because, like, excited would be, yeah, I'm excited because I know they're going to make a push. If they get in, they could do some damage. I also, like, I'm not putting myself up for that hurt. I said earlier that I'm back on the bandwagon with this team because I do feel like they can make the playoffs. But I also feel like you make the playoffs and we all know what that outcome is going to look like. So it's hard for me to get excited about it, but I'm very interested and intrigued by the final three weeks because I feel like this team will do some damage and get into the playoffs. So excited might be too much for me to say right now. Are we sure we know what happens when they get into the playoffs? No, here's the reason why. I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you should be rooting for the Dodgers to get that wild card spot, that first wild card spot. You want the Giants to win the NL West. And here's why. If you get into a one game setting, anything can happen. You could beat the Dodgers in one individual game. You absolutely can. It is going to be tough. You're definitely going to, you're not going to be favored in that game. The Dodgers will be a massive favor going into that one. But it's a one game setting and crazy stuff can happen in one game. In a five game setting, you can't beat that Dodgers team. They're too talented. They've got too good a pitching. It's going to be an overwhelming feat to be able to beat them, especially when you only get Wayne on the mound for one of those games because you're going to have to use him in the wild card game. So that's where things get difficult. I think they could beat the Giants in a five-game setting. It'd be tough. They would not be favored in that series. So that's why for me, if you go into the postseason and you're playing well, if they make the playoffs, they will have beat a lot of really good teams on the way to doing so. They'll be playing maybe their best baseball of the year heading into the postseason. You can beat the Dodgers in one game. You will not be favored. And then you may, I will not pick them, but you could conceivably see them winning a a, a quick series against the Giants as well. Because the Giants, while talented and a very good team, they're not at the same level talent-wise as the Dodgers this year. So I, I think that's the scenario where it could potentially happen. See, that's where I'm on the flip side of that. And maybe that's why I'm not as excited because I just don't see a scenario where you're taking down Max Scherzer in a one-game wild card. And maybe you don't face Scherzer. And I understand the the theory that everyone's texting in. Oh, remember 2011? Anything can happen. Just get in. That's fine, but... This team is in 2011. Maybe they can make. Maybe they can have some signs of it. But I, this offense, I don't trust in a one-game series against Max Scherzer. I trust Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt to do something in that game because it, we're finally. This is the first time maybe all season long, and it's it's been a very brief period. But it looks like we might be watching both of them heat up at the same time. And if they continue that down the stretch, man, they can they can hit against the best pitching. I don't know if they can though, because we saw them go up against the best pitching against the Dodgers, and that was the game where they got two hits. And then yeah. the bullpen game. See, that's where I'm so torn with this because those bullpen games against the Dodgers, yeah, the offense was incredible. Against the Cincinnati Reds, yeah, the offense was great. But they have found ways to defeat those pitchers. Those aren't the same tier as Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, and things like that. So if I could flip that scenario, if I got a one game against the the Giants, I feel great about that. I think they could take the Giants down in that wild card game. And a five-game series against the Dodgers, 
yeah, anything can happen. We've seen them beat Clayton Kershaw before. And of course, you're going to have to face Max Scherzer probably twice. We've seen them beat Walker Bueller before. I would flip it that way, but that's why it's so hard for me to say excited because any scenario it is of getting in, it is not going to be pretty in terms of getting past that. I get that. Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X line from the 314. BK, can you please tell me what happened the last four games when the Cardinals played the Dodgers? My mind is kind of foggy. Yeah, the Cardinals won two out of four. And I know that it was the two games that they won were against bullpen games for the Dodgers. But that's who they threw. Mm-hmm. That's who you had the opportunity to go up against, and you beat them. Head-to-head, two out of four, you beat the Dodgers in those games. This is not 2011. This team is not as talented as you were in 2011. Outside of Adam Wainwright, I frankly don't really trust any of their starters. In a five-game setting, a seven-game setting, whatever setting it is, I don't trust their starters outside of Wayno. So I will not be picking the Cardinals in those series. I want to make that very clear up front. But earlier today, we talked about the potential of this bullpen being a legitimate weapon for Mike Schilt and the Cardinals going into the postseason. If they're able to get Dakota Hudson back, And he's the pitcher that we remember when he was a starter, but in shorter spurts, instead of going six, seven innings, he does it for two or three innings. If you have Jack Flaherty come back for one inning at a time, Reyes, Gallegos, and Cabrera are all back to kind of mid-season form. Luis Garcia, TJ McFarland have now become significant pieces to this bullpen. Well, that's how you piece it together. Now, instead of going four or five innings with Lester or Hap or... Uh, Woodford, whoever is starting in those games, Michaelis, you're asking them for two or three innings. And then you go to the bullpen and you figure it out from there. The Cardinals have a chance. I will not be picking them, but they've got a shot to be able to do something in the postseason. So for me, to answer my own question, I'm excited for what these last three weeks of the season are going to hold. Because if they can keep this up, if they continue playing well against the quality opponents on their schedule, we will convince ourselves by the playoffs that they've got a real shot. Right now, maybe it sounds crazy for me to be saying any of this. If they sustain this, though, over the next three weeks, you guys are going to be buying into it every every bit as much as I am. I want to hear more from you. We have got we went a little long on the last segment, so 65780 is your comfort service text line. The Rhino Shield mic drop features on the 101 ESPN Apple. Carry this over. Are you excited about what the next three weeks hold? And... How much of your excitement or lack of excitement is because of what Alex is saying? I think it's a good point. You just don't think they can win in the postseason. We'll do it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. All right, so we're talking about the Cardinals and the interest level for fans on this stretch run that they have. They're now a half game back of the Reds in the wild card race. They're tied with the Padres right now, and the Cardinals are going to be have a chance this weekend to put the Padres behind them, potentially, depending on how things go in this Mets series. So I wanted to ask the listeners, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line, and we got the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Where's your interest level? Where's your excitement level right now for this Cardinals stretch run? And how much does that coincide with the way that you feel about them into the postseason? I think they've got a chance. If they get into the playoffs, you give them a one-game setting, they can beat anybody. Anybody can beat anybody in a one-game setting. And then you get into a potential series against the Giants, I would give them a shot in that series. How much is that influencing your excitement level down the stretch as well? Well, let's go to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Let's start out with Darren. Am I in on the Cardinals? Am I excited about the team? Hell yeah, I'm excited about the team. They've been mediocre most of the season, but they're still in this half game out. 
look, they're fighting till the end. What more could you ask for? Let's get up off our duffs, support this team, go Cardinals. He's not wrong, and it's hard to disagree with him there. I mean, they have been mediocre all season, and the fans have finally gotten something to sit there and actually get excited about. So, yeah, that's the way you should be right now. You should be pumped that the fact that they are fighting for something and excited that they could do something with it. Again, I'm kind of on the verge of this. Somebody texted on the Air Comfort Service text on and said, Faith, Ferrario, you got to have faith. I'm just so nervous to put myself out there again and get hurt. My heart can't handle it. Well, we had okay. somebody else that said something similar from the 573. I'm excited to watch them down the stretch towards the playoffs, but I also know all I'm doing is just waiting to be disappointed again. That's sports, though, right? Yeah. There's only one team that gets to be happy with the way that the season ends. There's only one. Everybody else at some point is going to be disappointed with the way that their season ends, more likely than not. And if your team ends up disappointing you, that's okay. That's what we're in this for. It's about the heartbreak. It's about living and dying on every moment, especially in the playoffs. It's about being at the edge of your seat as the Cardinals are in 45-degree weather outside in St. Louis, and it's a little misty, and it feels a little terrifying that you're going up against the Giants in a one-game playoff setting or a, a five-game series in the NLDS with a chance to play the Brewers in the NLCS. Like, yeah, all of that's scary. But that's what this is all about, right? That, that's what we're in this for as, as Cardinals fans, as baseball fans, as sports fans. So I, I'm ready to be able to jump on in and, and go, go full bore into this playoff run. That being said, what Alex just said is true. This team hasn't given you a whole lot of reasons to buy into that prior to what they're doing right now. Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. Let's hear from John. Yes, I'm all in on the Cardinals. Not necessarily all in for them to go deep in the playoffs this year. I would like to see them keep winning because that's what's important. But I'm all in because I want to see Tyler O'Neill take the step from good to all-star. I'm all in because I want Sosa playing shortstop. He's exciting. He brings hustle to the ball club. I want to see the Cardinals bring back John Lester and his attitude. The Cardinal pitching staff has been missing someone like Lester for a while. I am excited for the Cardinals in 2022, but I think making the playoffs this year will help them win the World Series in 2022. It felt like a poem. I kind of liked it. Like he listed everything that you wanted with it. Did he just basically say that I... I want to run it back. Yeah. Like he, he went through <laughs> he so seemingly the entire roster, and he was like, hey, yeah, let's just keep all of these guys. Let's run it back in 2022. Man, I don't want that. Yeah, well, that's the caveat that <laughs> I was going to put two caveats with us and see if your opinions change, and you can keep sending the mic, the Rhino Shield mic drops to us. If you find out that Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson will be healthy for a playoff run, does that get you more excited? Personally, for me, that gets me a lot more excited about it because I think you could do damage if those guys are healthy for you and effective. The other thing, let me throw into this, BK, yeah. and and the reason that I, I don't, maybe not, but I heard the morning show talk about this. The Cardinals make the playoffs, and they win the wild card and get to the NLDS, and they lose in the NLDS, but they say, you know what? We took steps forward. We feel like we found the answers. We are going to run it back. Well, they can't do that. That's what I, at least for me, that's what the concern would be. I would never root for this team not to make the playoffs, but that's the concern if they make the playoffs and win the wild card is they say, well, these guys took steps forward. We feel like the team's good if we just stay healthy. You know, we're not going to spend money in the offseason. 
You know, it's funny. Um, it's interesting that you say that. I was playing volleyball last night, and... Weird flex. There you go, T-Bone. <laughs> okay. The only reason I mentioned that is because that's where I had this conversation. Sand or gym volleyball? Sand. I was playing... We're, we're playing volleyball last night, and one of the people that we were playing with, she's a Cardinals fan, so I asked her, you know, what, where she's at on the Cardinals team, and she's like, listen, I... Kind of where you're at, right? I, it's fine. I, I'm not really all that interested. She's like, the reason why I, I'm not all in is because I just don't want them to go on a run and them to bring back the same team next year because I, I don't think they're good enough. And I think that's what your point is here is like, I understand if you're hesitant and the reason why you're hesitant has less to do with this team or this run or this playoff race or any of the teams they're going up against and everything to do with what the Cardinals are going to do in the offseason. Because you don't want to have this same season again in 2022. I get that. I guess what I'm putting my faith in, and maybe it won't be rewarded, and if not, then we'll, we'll crush them. But um, th- I, I believe that they have smart baseball people in charge, and smart baseball people can look at what we've watched all season long and say this isn't good enough. Over a 162-game season next year, you can't just run this thing back. They know that. You know that. I know that. Marshy knows that. So I've got to imagine they're not going to do that. They did it in the NLCS after 2019. And that, that's what I want to get to is that fans, I feel, feel frustrated because over the past five, six years, it doesn't seem like even though this team has brought new faces in, the team hasn't gotten any better. I, I would say that 2019 run was somewhat of a fluke. You never expected the Cardinals to beat the Braves that year. They just And they almost didn't. They almost blew it. And they happen to squeak by thanks to, you know, Yadier Molina and his heroics. And then, of course, that ginormous first inning. But this team, I mean, for the most part, they are right there at the end of the season. They give you hope. But then at the end of it, they're not making that extra step. And I think fans are are frustrated because they're not doing anything to get that extra step. You think Arnato is that extra step, but then you realize that there are holes in this team that need to be addressed i mean the only upgrade that happened in 2019 from 2020 was kk yeah i I mean and and that's my and that would be my concern and again i would never root for a team not to make the playoffs but i i will say that the situation was very different because that team was going into the next year thinking their upgrades were going to come from the outfield and they felt like paul de young was going to be able to take another step offensively and it it had more internal options than they were going to potentially try to get from the outside. And they had a lack of flexibility financially. You were tied to a lot of long-term big money deals that you couldn't get rid of at the time. This offseason is not a similar situation. You now know what you have in your young outfielders. There aren't those next guy up that hasn't quite had the right amount of opportunity no 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 no, no. we've we've done that we now know what they are exactly and we like it we like their outfield but the financial flexibility that's the biggest change from the 2019 offseason to where we are today if they're not willing to flex that spending power well that's on them but we can expect them to because that's that's where their change is for this year compared to from the 636 stop trying to keep players out of the playoffs because you're mad at the front office i'm not trying to do that because god the players should be in the playoffs because they fought their asses off for it but the problem is the front office to where if they look at it and they say oh well look they made steps forward you're doing a a disservice to the players that did just fight their asses off to get into the playoffs that's the point i'm trying to make uh no and it's it's a good point by the way Let's go back out to the Rhino Shield mic drop feature. Let's hear from the one and only Janet. 
I want them to make the playoffs because I want all Missouri teams to do good. I want the, the Mizzou team to do good and our Missouri Chiefs to do good. I hope they all make their playoffs. Is Janet living in the past to where she's listening to the morning show live still? It sounded like it. She must be listening to the podcast, and then she'll go to the podcast page when this is over and check this out. I appreciate it. She's got to have the live show on at the same time that she's catching up with whatever it was from the mornings or in the afternoon. She'll catch up with our show. I appreciate that Love about it, Janet. Um, I'm in. I'm in on whatever the season ta- wherever the season goes from here. I want to find out what this team has in it. I want to learn what Edmundo Sosa looks like in a stretch run. I want to find out if Tommy Edmond has more in there. If this is a guy that is just going to be a 295, 300 on base percentage player. I want to find out what it looks like when you have Goldie and Arenado going at the same time. I want to see just how far Adam Wainwright can take this team. The Cardinals are flawed, incredibly flawed. But so are all the other teams that are in this playoff race. And you get into the postseason, and I know the Dodgers, it feels daunting, the task at hand, playing them in a one-game setting. And if it was a five-game scenario, I would give the Cardinals no chance in that series. None. But if you're playing them in a one-game setting, and then you get the Giants in a five-game series, and then who knows who's going to come out of that other series, this team has a chance. And I, I am, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm also willing to give them a chance to screw up before I just assume that they're not going to do in the, anything in the offseason if they do go on a little bit of a run down the stretch. I would rather see them go on a run and then let's see what happens in the offseason than root for them not to right now because of the fear of what could happen in the offseason. I thought BT said it best last week on the crossover where he said, like, get excited about this run and then worry about – you could blow it up next year. But just to get excited about this run. And that's what I'm trying to push myself towards, and I'm sure that's what a lot of people are trying to push themselves towards. It takes a lot. It's going to take a little bit of a nudge, especially from this team. If they're able to go on, you know, a a six-game winning streak here and they win – uh, the next two games in New York, I think that's going to bring a lot of people on board. You come home, it's the 2011 reunion this weekend going up against the Padres. If you win two out of three, you've now won eight of your last nine against the Reds, the Mets, and the Padres. That's when people will jump on board. It's going to yeah. take a little bit of a run like that. I think I'm, I, I want to say I'm all in because I, one, I love. October baseball. I love it, especially it's the best. It, it is the best. There's a, something in the air. It's it's fantastic. The 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 weather's changing. You just know it's red October, right? But like I think as a fan, I'm and you know, on the fan side of me, it's like I don't care if they don't make it because then they can, you know, maybe make some adjustments. But if they make it, like, let's go. Like this then they have proved to me and then I'm sure to the people listening, the fans, that they are a legit team. Six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service tax line with Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh. I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over at the fast lane coming up at one forty five. Coming up next, let's play a game of Bet It or Forget It here on one oh one ESPN. This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Vegas sets them up, and we're here to make the call. It's BK and Ferrario's Bet It or Forget It on 101 ESPN. See the excitement taking over there. Well, you didn't like that? No, it's better I than your karaoke. 
Oh, there's no doubt about Which, that. Which, by the way, Tebow uh, returns tomorrow, so damn we it. we need to decide what the punishment is is, is for BK. Let's run it back. Let's run. Uh, I'll sing. No, again. we're not singing again. People said they turned off the radio after that. I know. We're going to come up with one. I personally think we need to do that spicy wing challenge of Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm not doing that. You don't get a choice, sir. I you absolutely lost. do. I'm not doing that. You should do. I'm, you, I'm you not. Do like like something gross to eat or something. See, I don't think any of those play on the radio. Yeah, well, that's the that's thing. That's fair. I was thinking more like if punishment we had video, video in here, sure, yeah. but we're on the radio. We're, there's no video component to this. <laughs> we're, we're on the radio? Yeah, that's how this works. It's crazy. All right, 65780 is the comfort service X line for bet it or forget it. We'll talk about that after the show. Bet it or forget it. Paul Goldschmidt ends up this or finishes this year with 30 or more home runs. He's now at 25 on the season after last night. I feel like night. Paul Goldschmidt's trying to get after me because I said yesterday that Tyler O'Neill was going to have more than him, and then, mm-hmm. of course, he hits that bomb yesterday. Um, I'm going to bet this. I, I, I do feel like Tyler O'Neill will have more home runs than him at the end of the season, although he's going to have to tear it up these last couple of weeks. But, yeah, I think I'll bet that with Paul Goldschmidt. He's been he's been red hot these last, last, last few months. I'm betting it. Yesterday, I went with him. I said he was second. He was going to finish second, of course. It's a home run yesterday, and immediately when he hit that, I was like looking at myself. I was look, I was giving myself a pat on the back. <laughs> he's on the, He's on his way. Uh, I'm going to, what do they have, 16 games left? Is that right? I don't know. Is that right? I got like 19 games This is where left. you answer it, BK. You need five more home runs. Yeah, I'm going to forget it. I hope he proves me wrong. This is a, a reverse psychology BKO here. That's what this is. No manifesting. You? Yeah, it's the opposite. Well, it is manifesting it because I'm going to say that it's not going to okay. happen. Yeah. So I'm going to forget it. I think he ends up with 28 home runs on the season and falls just short of the 30. 65780 is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. I don't know if you saw the story yesterday from Derek Gould over in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, but Matt Carpenter told him he would like to play again in 2022. Better to forget it, Matt Carpenter is back on the Cardinals in 2022. Uh, I'm going to forget it. Wow, you were really confident with that, Marshy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to bet it. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Carpenter will be your Albert Pujols for this next season. There ain't no bringing Albert Pujols back. Matt Carpenter will be that veteran bench bat for you. Now, I hope they go out and get another lefty off of the bench. But, yeah, I'm going to unfortunately bet this one. Someone texted in in our previous segment and said, my worry is that the uh, Dodgers would start Clayton Kershaw in that wild card game, and Matt Carpenter would get the start. My man BK had a, had a pretty good stat the other day on Twitter about Matt Carpenter. Uh, well, he wanted to give Matt Carpenter a 10 by 10 doing deal. so well. Oh, no, wait, that was Harrison Bader. <laughs> what? That was, that was Harrison Bader, sorry. Get out of here. That's not true. Um, yeah, I'm going to forget this. I think the Cardinals know it's over. I, or at least the, the general manager and the president of baseball operations know that it's over for Matt Are we Carpenter. Sure? I'm positive that they do. I'm not positive that the manager does, but I'm I'm pretty sure that the front office realizes where things are at right now with Matt Carpenter. Man, he's always going to be underrated in my mind for what he did during his prime. Matt Carpenter was an awesome, awesome hitter at one point. And I'm with you that he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer. People disagree, but I am 100% on board with that, that he's a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, I think he is as well. 
I do not believe that he will be back next year. I think they're going to look to upgrade that lefty hitter coming off of the bench. Maybe it's Lars Newtbar, who, by the way, was on with the morning show earlier today. If you missed it, check out the podcast page. He was a fantastic interview with them. 101ESPN.com and the free 101 ESPN app. I do not think Carpenter will be back next year. I think that spot will be taken over by either somebody they sign or Nolan Gorman, and they'll move forward with that plan, course of action as well. I, I don't think Carpenter will be back. And a lot of people are saying he's not going to reach the thing to get the extension i think we're talking more about the cardinals would re-sign him to a one-year deal yeah we're not talking he's not going to hit that threshold to get the extension into play or the option well it's it's a team option i believe right i thought oh, it was a, a player yeah yeah it's a vested he's option hit a certain number though a, like two million dollar buyout or something like that so yeah it, yeah it becomes a club option if it doesn't vest and then the cardinals have to pay two million dollars to buy it out it wasn't a great contract so didn't go well for the Cardinals. Bet it or forget it. 65780 is the air comfort service text line. Bet it or forget it. Carpenter and Albert go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame in the same year. Um, I'll forget that. Yeah. I mean, Albert, look, Albert's going to go into the Hall of Fame. So he's not going to like be up for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. He'll be a Hall of Famer. Um, but there are too many names that are I mean look how long it took to get Keith Hernandez yep. into the Cardinals Hall of Fame Matt Carpenter is going to have to wait some time because I think David Freeze is going to get in there before Matt Carpenter Chris Carpenter uh, yeah Chris Carpenter he's already in that if I'm not mistaken there are other names that are going to get in there before Matt Carpenter so I'll forget this I'm going to forget it too I mean Albert Poole you could put Albert Poole's in the he's going to be in the Hall in of now. Fame yeah. he'll be in the Hall of Fame after his first year Whenever he's yeah. eligible. Yeah, yeah. And he'll I mean, be a Cardinals Hall of Famer as well, of course. But yeah. um, I, I think that they'll get Albert in as quickly as they can. And it might take a little bit longer to be mm -hmm. able to get yeah. uh, Carpenter in there. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for bet it or forget it. Bet it or forget it. The Blues will have somebody not named Vladimir Tarasenko hit the 30-goal mark this season. I'll bet that. You got a lot of guys who could potentially do that. And it comes down to health and chemistry on the ice but i mean i'm looking at a pavel buchnevich who could hit 30 heck he did 25 last year or 20 last year in a shortened season um i think david perron can get there if he stays healthy frankly i think ryan o'reilly could get there and then the one that i'm looking at is the guy we talked about earlier jordan Cairo. i think jordan Cairo could get to 30 goals it might not be this season he could get close this year maybe 2025 but he's another one who could be there I got to bet it too. I mean, you had a, a couple guys and think about it. You had a shortened season last year. So you're missing like eh, roughly 25, 30 games. You can do the math, whatever, but which is something we shouldn't do on the air. But I mean, you have O'Reilly, Perron, Buchnevich, the guy, hopefully they have multiple 30 goal scorers, but I, I agree with Alex. I think Cairo is the guy that you should look at. And I think he's going to prove that that money that he got is, is worth, worth it. it. Mm-hmm. I'm going for it. I'm going to say Buchnevich gets there this year. I think he's the most likely. Do yeah, you guys I agree. agree with that? Do you think there's anybody else that's more likely than Buchnevich to get 30? I think Perron could. Yeah. Because Perron's going to be on the number one power play unit. And if they get chemistry on that and fix it, I, I mean, he could get 15 goals just from the power play this season. I would say those are the top two. Yeah, for those me. are my top two. The only um, hesitancy on this is what's the ice time look like with Tarasenko on the roster? Yeah. Because that might get altered because you got Tarasenko in the first couple of months of the season. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I think I my horse would be Buchnevich, but I could see Perron doing it as well. I certainly have no qualms with that mm -hmm. choice. No. With Alex Ferrario and Andrew Marsh, I'm Brandon Kylie. We'll cross things over the fast lane coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. 
Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. We've got former superstar blues defenseman Jamie Rivers in studio with us. Jamie, how you doing, man? I'm good. How you guys doing? We're doing well. Hockey season's almost here. Oh, it's right around the corner. You excited about some of these prospects that were out there today? Yeah, I mean, look, it. I think that the Blues, when it comes to their, their prospect pool, I think that this is going to take some time for it to evolve. They don't have, in my opinion, you know, the Robert Thomases or the Jordan Kairos. Those guys are they're in the works, right? But I think that uh, based on what we're seeing out there and, and some of the performances and certainly the hard work, man, it's a good group of kids. Are you, uh, should we be looking into anything that is Scott Perunovich getting the captain for the Traverse City team? Because, uh, like, I feel like it's a pretty big deal for a guy who's, what, second year in the organization? Yeah, but you look at, you know, his experience overall. He's got the college game under his belt. He's a Hobie Baker winner. He's certainly a guy that's probably going to see some time in the NHL. Depending on his camp, he could break from camp in the NHL. Maybe he goes down for a little bit. You usually try to give those swing guys a little bit of leadership headed into these things. There are a lot of younger guys, too, coming out of junior that obviously aren't as old as some of the college guys. I think it's great, and I also think it's a little bit of a uh, everything's a test Mm -hmm. at these things, and so I think that the team looks at that and says he's going to wear a letter, the C, for this prospect tournament. Let's see how he handles it. Let's see how he does out there. Let's see how he interacts with his teammates. It's just another way of you know evaluating. Who does he have to outplay in camp to break camp with the roster? Well, that's a tough one, right? Because I still. The Blues are headed into camp as of right now, missing a fourth defenseman Mm -hmm. in the top four. And so as far as outplaying somebody in particular, realistically for for Scott Perunovich to outplay somebody that would fit his description, it would be Tori Krug. Yeah, and that's gonna, seems unlikely. Yeah, that uh, seems very unlikely. <laughs> drop in here and say, "I'm going to go ahead and guess that's not going to happen." Six Probably and not going to happen. Yeah, um, you're here, but it doesn't mean he can't earn a spot in the lineup. It doesn't mean he can't eat away at some of the power play minutes that are available out there. Certainly, if he plays good enough, then that usually takes care of itself. So I don't think anybody's at risk per se. I think Perunovic brings a unique style of play to the game that. Uh, as Tory Krug continues to get older every year and in this league, I think Scott Perunovich will play a bigger role at St. Louis Blues. So I know we've got plenty more Blues talk coming up on the fast lane. Tyler Bozak will join the guys at 2.15, so stay tuned for all of that coming up today from 2 to 6 on the fast lane. I did want to get some football thoughts from you, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. Let's because do this. I remember last year when we were doing the show together, you were very skeptical of Kyler Murray. I still am. Not all in on him, and on Sunday, he looked great against the the Titans. He finished with 290 yards, four touchdowns, added some uh, another touchdown on the ground as well. And then yesterday, if you were watching ESPN for any amount of time, you probably heard somebody completely overreact about the Cardinals with what they did on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play one of those quotes Uh for you. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Michael Irvin. You've probably heard of him. He was on first take yesterday (laughs) and uh, he compared Kyler to a couple of all time greats. Oh, wow. 
He's giving you the combination of Lamar Jackson and, and, and then Patrick Mahomes, which is a dangerous combination. And then he has, of course, DeAndre Hopkins out there that can throw in, catch anything you you throw anywhere in the area code. He's answering that call. And, I, and I'm telling you something, man, it's this team right here is a surprise. We don't give them credit because there is such a tough division. But this team right here is for real. Dude. Okay, I, Michael Irvin, known for overreacting a little bit. Didn't somebody else do this a couple years ago and said, "Oh yeah, this guy's a Brett Favre and Donovan McNabb mixture." Yep, yep. That's... It's uh, it's always very dangerous when you start handpicking names of guys that are past MVPs or going to be future MVPs and Super Bowl champions and all those things. I tend to tread a little more carefully sure. when doing that, but Michael Irvin has never, ever treaded carefully. So, um, you know, good for him for putting himself out there. I would disagree a little bit, but sure. yeah, no, still, I, I, get I like it. his energy. The best uh, thrower of the football right now, probably in Patrick Mahomes, and the best runner of the football right uh-huh. now at the quarterback position with Lamar Jackson. You just put those into one player, and that's Kyler Murray. He's mega player. Absolutely. I totally yeah, get that. Super player. I know you are a big fan of Dan Orlovsky, though. Huge fan. And he does great work for ESPN. He also talked about the Cardinals yesterday. Oh, boy. That doesn't look like a team that might contend in their division. That looks like a team, if they continue to play like that, and that quarterback is that unstoppable, they look like a team that can represent the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Oh, Dan. Dan. <laughs> Are Once we getting again, out of our, over our skis a little bit yeah, here? Yeah, I, I, I like Dan's energy on this one, and... Um, yeah, that's about it. He does know that they just played like a really bad defensive team in week one, right? Like, here's the thing, guys, and I've said this a million times. So I'm guessing times. you're not all in on Kyler Murray yet. Uh, no, and I was going to say I'm not ready to go ordering the rings just yet <laughs> for the Arizona Cardinals. They they beat the Tennessee Titans. Um, yeah, that's that's not it's not like winning a championship. I don't know if that's necessarily the bar. So Kyler Murray, I think he great first game. Congratulations. But he also had a great first four or five games last year. He was too. awesome, yeah. And then his erratic play of running around all over the place got the best of him. Oh, and he wasn't got him Lamar hurt. Jackson? And uh, so we'll see. To be determined. I like him. Great game. Great first game. I'm not ordering the rings. If you're going to short the stock of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, here's what you do. You go over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Not right now. You don't do this yet. But... After the Cardinals likely beat the Vikings this weekend and then beat the hell out of the Jaguars in week three, mm-hmm. that's when you go over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're probably going to be 3-0, and and you bet against the Cardinals to make the playoffs because their next schedule after that is the Rams on the road, the 49ers at home, and then the Cleveland Browns on the road. Oh, then the Texans. They're a juggernaut right now. Wasn't going to go but there. BK, and then the Packers. <laughs> but BK, Dan said that they're not just going to contend in the NFC West. They're going to win the whole damn thing. Yeah. Well, so you're not worried about the Rams. They have a team in the NFC that's not too bad. Dan should probably check out how that's There's a few working. of them that are pretty good <laughs> over there. a couple. There. Yeah, including in their own division with the Rams and the 49ers, and then you got the Buccaneers and yeah. you know, the, the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> They've got work to do. I like the Cardinals. Not ready to put them in the same category as some of those other great teams in the AA, or in the NFC. All right, looking forward to the fast lane. That's coming up from 2 to 6. They'll have Tyler Bozak coming up at 2.15. Stay tuned for all of that. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, right here on 101 ESPN. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.